Greetings, friends, and welcome to another episode of How To Wrestling, the world's first wrestling podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows, maybe even how to enjoy wrestling. Hello, everyone. I'm the big explaining machine, Kevin Mahan, joined as I am always in this introductory guide to the world of wrestling by my better half, the person with whom the fire of wrestling knowledge will always burn, Joe Graham. How are you, Joe? I'm well, thank you. And we might as well address the uh, the, the elephant. elephant in the room. That bloody elephant. How dare <laughs> I know I've put a little bit away. <laughs> well, we are very happy to say for the first time ever, we're being joined with a special guest. The world's greatest lover, the world's greatest dancer, and goodness knows, probably the world's biggest Kane fan, it's uh, Adam Bibolo. Hi, guys. Thank Hi. you for your inevitable appearance on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Adam is a big fan of today's topic, which is Kane. Adam, if people don't know who you are, maybe give yourselves a bit of an introduction. I'm one of the three members of the AE podcast, along with... Kevin Mann here. Hello. And I'm the one in the three of us that's seen a bit of wrestling, but doesn't know as much as you do. Are you the middle bear? Yeah, I'm the middle guy. Like, you've got the, oh, I like Billy because he doesn't know anything about wrestling. It's interesting. Or I like Kevin because he knows everything about wrestling. It's interesting. Or there's that other guy as well. He doesn't really have a gimmick. He's just there. He's got something about coffee. (laughs) Adam, can you briefly explain why you're here today about Kane? Why is it about you and Kane that we felt necessary to reach out? Kane is such a big part of my life. Like, as a kid, like a big part of why I even liked wrestling was because of Kane. Like, there was so many wrestlers that are just dudes in trunks or whatever, but then there was this big red evil lizard looking man who's so scary <laughs> like I don't know it just I think what helped me fall in love with wrestling was having a character as big as Kane did you find him scary? yes absolutely really? but you yes. loved him yes it was one of those weird things because I was such a wimp as a child like scared of the slightest thing like I'd listen to one track from War of the Worlds and then couldn't sleep for weeks <laughs> like. but Kane I was just sort of enamoured with him because you know, he could be both a good guy and a bad guy, and he'd still be this scary monster. Like. Certainly one of the most fascinating wrestlers ever, and one which we're obviously very excited to talk about. But Kane is someone who's been on the roster, you know, since Adam and I were in short pants. And when Joe started watching wrestling, Kane was actually one of the first guys you saw. And That's I mean, true. before we delve into this man's lurid and incredibly convoluted backstory, what were some of your first impressions of Kane. So Kane, otherwise known as Corporate Kane, you know, main main identity. <laughs> this is so this is what Michael Cole has done to new fans. <laughs> you refer to him as Corporate and Demon yeah, Kane, yeah. He's Corporate Kane and there's Demon Kane, which is like his dark past. <laughs> which he seems to have mostly overcome thanks to therapy. Yeah. Anger yeah. management, whatnot. So who was Corporate Kane then in, in the world of wrestling so when you started watching? Corporate Kane worked for the authority. Good assistant. I was gonna say friend, but let's not push it. <laughs> Seth with Seth Rollins. Yeah. Um, he wears a suit. He has short, neat hair. Always wears a, like a tie. Uh, he's there. He's, he's quite clever, I think, but he's always pushed around and he was often associated with like J&J security. Ah. So were you a fan of Kane when you first saw him? I didn't really understand the point of him. <laughs> he, he did grow on me. I think the moment I actually really kind of, I got, what Corporate Kane was all about and I'm sure I'm completely alone here with you two who who know him as Demon Kane only really but when he was sent on holiday to Hawaii 
That was when I really <laughs> fell in yeah. love with him. He was very happy when he was given a trip to Hawaii. It was yeah. one of the first things you put on Vine when you were first started watching wrestling. I like, loved was it. Him going to Hawaii because yeah. you had this big scary guy who was like, oh well, man. It's not I'm, big and scary. I've never been big. on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll say off the bat, when you first saw Kane, he did not scare you. No, he didn't scare me. I, I still don't really find him scary. Well, we're going to delve into the twisted and dark backstory of Kane. Some people have said that this is equivalent to a mad mission, one which we will never possibly be able to do, <laughs> because this man has one of the most convoluted backstories ever. And I will say, we have touched a bit on Kane before, when we did our episode on how to Daniel Bryan. Obviously, there was someone who you were uh, familiar with, and he popped up there as well, but... I want to start us off because Kane was not always Kane. We've got a game of chance for you, Joe. Oh, joy. Okay? So our game of chance for you is to guess which of the three following gimmicks that Kane had were not real. Okay? Adam, do you want to maybe run Joe through these different gimmicks and see if she can pick out the falsehoods? Yeah, so your three choices are the Christmas creature... Which was Kane in a large green smock with like candy cane stripy arms and legs. And, and baubles and, and tinsel. And tinsel all yeah. wrapped around him. Mm-hmm. There is Isaac Yankum, which was a dentist gimmick. An evil dentist. Evil, wasn't he Jerry Lawler's dentist? He was Jerry Lawler's yeah. evil personal dentist. Right, yeah. This was during the new generation era where you had crazy characters like that. Okay. And then there was also Fake Diesel, which is when Kevin Nash jumped to WCW. Vince McMahon said, I can just replace him with another Diesel. And they hired Kane and made him dress up like Kevin Nash. So which of those three do you think is not a true Kane gimmick? Well, I hate to say this because I actually have heard a little bit about this previously. Oh, yeah? Because I think we did this on a, what I learned in wrestling was the Christmas creature. Oh, oh you did? Oh, so I know the Christmas creature exists. Okay. But even if we hadn't done it, people sent him in all the time. And I'm pretty sure I remember someone posting a picture somewhere of Kane dressed as a dentist <laughs> so either you're just getting a picture of him on like Halloween where he's like dressed as a dentist <laughs> like, yeah he was totally a wrestler so I'm going to go with the the diesel one I can't believe that they would make him okay, but having ludicrous. said that though yeah. there's far too much detail in your story of this I, I wonder if it is actually also true that it, it was a hilarious Christmas prank that we played on you Aww. no the Christmas creature hasn't come in here caused mischief <laughs> it was just Adam and Kevin up to no good all three of those are legitimate gimmicks yes. that Kane had. The other one that he had as well, which I thought I should mention, was Unabomber. You don't want to necessarily have a, a gimmick that is named after a terrorist, but he was also known as Unabomber. So yes, Kane was an evil wrestling dentist. So, uh... not Now, this is the thing that you have to bear in mind. Not kayfabe. You know the wrestlers have had like previous characters and gimmicks and they'll explain oh, them yeah. as their backstory. Kane is not Isaac Yankum right. DDS. Yeah. Isaac Yankum. Isaac yep. Yankum. Yankum. DDS, as in uh, he yanks your teeth. Yep. Do you know what his entrance music was? I'm sorry, before we go to the entrance, I've just realised that on paper, if he was writing his name, he could just do I Yankum. Yep. Fucking <laughs> hell, that's such a good pun. Sorry. His entrance music was just a drill going... Are you serious? Just that sound effect. They yep. should have like screaming as well. And they would do these backstage segments where uh, Jerry Lawler and, and Isaac Yankum would be ganged up on this little kid and the kid would be like, oh no! And Jerry Lawler would be like, ha ha! Burn him! Yeah! And he'd be like, yeah, I'm a fucking shit dentist. I'm gonna Jesus. really hurt you. <laughs> 
I've never been scared of the dentist, but Isaac Yankum definitely made me concerned about dentists. How long did he do that gimmick for then? Less than a year, would you say? Yeah. Really? They dragged it out that long? He was. He had a main event feud with Bret the Hitman Hart. Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah, because Bret Hart had uh, kicked Jerry Lawler in the mouth and messed up his teeth. And obviously Jerry Lawler had met Isaac Yankum through, you know... Strong alliances get formed in the waiting room (laughs) of the NHS uh, sanctioned Isaac Yankum. So Kane was an interesting one for us in terms of trying to find a list of matches to watch. I think I started with you, Adam, I asked you kind of, what are Kane's best matches? Mm. And I think we had a bit of difficulty. It's tough, yeah. It's not necessarily had that many incredible (laughs) matches as much as I love him, like... It's very, very strange seeing as we did an entire podcast running through all of the Attitude Era. And even with that, and there was a lot of cool Kane moments, hmm. but picking out Kane matches was really, really hard. And there was a point on Twitter where I was like, seriously, are there no apparently good Kane matches past 2004? And people were like, hmm. But <laughs> I think uh, our friend Claire tweeted and she put it best when she was saying it's less about the matches and more about this gigantic muscular wizard who is on screen doing magic all the time. <laughs> so the first thing I showed Joe and a very important part was Kane's debut at Bad Blood 1997, which is one of the most famous debuts ever because he came out in the first ever Hell in a Cell match and he ripped off the door to confront his brother, the Undertaker. And of course, that is one of the most famous bits of commentary of all time. That, that's gotta be Kane! That's gotta be! That's gotta be Kane! Because Kane was the brother of The Undertaker. So The Undertaker, a very famous wrestler, a mythical wrestler who someone will be doing many episodes I'm on in the familiar future. with The Undertaker. He's around. Yeah, he's been, he's been around <laughs> Every the block. Every WrestleMania, he's kind of there. He's there. He's going to be something big one day. Yeah. Keep I an really, eye on that guy. I think, yeah. I like I this kid, this Undertaker kid. <laughs> So, The Undertaker's brother, Kane, was sent to destroy him, essentially, by The Undertaker's former manager and Kane's father, the evil Paul Bear. Now, Adam, for you growing up, what was Paul Bear like in terms of a character to try and describe him? Horrifying. So scary. I I don't know how you feel about him, Joe, but for me as a child, especially, I thought this big scary man with a white face and bags under his eyes being like, ooh, the fucking freakiest shit ever. I just think he's the funniest thing. Well, that's what makes him scarier, I think, is the fact that Kane's this big hulking monster and he's got like this little Pringles man with him. <laughs> like, it's still somehow ghoulish. guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's, there's that Paul Bear, the one who's got the dark eyes and all that stuff, but the one where I, sh- I showed Joe a lot of the promos when he was kind of more hellfire and brimstone. Uncle Vernon looking. Yeah. Bear. Yeah, he is quite scary when he looks more like Uncle Vernon. Yeah. Right? We were yeah. scrolling through all these episodes of Raw and I wanted to show Joe all these promos of Paul Bear and there's just these close-ups of this <laughs> big round face and his little beady eyes going, you will burn in the fires <laughs> of hell, Undertaker! What did you think of Kane and Paul Bear's kind of, you know, their introduction? Because they... Obviously made a big debut, ripping apart the Hell in a Cell, and then did a lot of stuff with coffins. I mean, I'm not sure how you felt about seeing this, seeing Kane as this big monster with these coffins and what he was doing. So, what he, like, dug up The Undertaker's parents and then set them on fire. Of course. Mm -hmm. Of course he did that. Um, And then he, like, smashed their gravestones with a sledgehammer. I don't know, it was a bit goofy, because he has, like, magic powers, and he's able to, like, Mm -hmm. cast fire wherever he wants 
Never uses that in a match, no. obviously. But you've seen him like throwing fireballs and stuff. Yeah, well, though, throwing fireballs is in, obviously, pyrotechnics have been set up in advance and then let off at safe distance. Kayfabe, mate. Kane is shooting a fireball. <laughs> Come, Come on. on now. I can imagine if you were a kid and watching it, it must have been amazing. Yes. Was it as impressive as... I imagine it could have been. Yeah, because it's so much easier to just suspend your disbelief as a child. Like, even when I was a kid and I knew wrestling was fake and didn't really care, like, it was still so much more awesome back then, the idea that this wrestler had powers. Like, I love Street Fighter as well, so... Yeah, yeah. The idea of someone whipping out a Hadouken in the middle of a match, like... <laughs> that was great about it, I mean, because Kane, I mean, when you obviously were watching Kane when you first watched, he was just this guy in a suit. And yeah. when we watched, you know, 97, 98 Kane, here was this dude, head to toe in red and black... Full mask, a weird little eye. Long this ass hair. Long, mm. beautiful, frizzy long hair. Yeah, yeah. And I loved as well, you had all these times where Paul Bear would literally, he would hide behind Kane and be like, <laughs> my Kane's gonna destroy you. Oh, I, I fucking loved it. And I'd say Kane didn't scare me as much when I was a kid, but Paul Bear with Kane terrified me mm. like when we we watched the segment from the Royal Rumble where they put the Undertaker in a coffin and they just covered it in gas oh. they set it on fire and like Kane is like the idea of, like a Kane having magic powers always intrigued me as a kid but what I also terrified me about Kane was that he was a pyromaniac he liked to set things on fire which makes no sense I'm sorry that makes no sense right Game of Thrones <laughs> the Hound's older brother sets him on fire mm. as a kid he's yeah. got a horrible burned face like Kane. Right, and then for the rest of the show, he's terrified of fire. Kane gets magic powers from fire. <laughs> That's ridiculous. What it if was... the hound could like set shit on fire because <laughs> he was burned as a child? It was a radioactive fire that came. <laughs> yeah, he gained, he gained the, pa- the powers of the fire. I've tried time and time again to explain to Joe the nature of why it is that Kane and the Undertaker have these supernatural powers. Um, they're demons. Mm. They are demons then. They're demons. Well, that would mean that one of their parents are demons, so their mother is the demon? There's a fan theory that Kane and Undertaker are simply vessels for yeah. demons that have come from the darkness. And that they've got these powers that they act through them. Right. But what's your. You've got problems with the, the magic. Because, I mean, we watch, like, you know, when they do, like, the two of them are standing on either side of the ramp and, like, I will walk through the fires of hell to destroy you, Kane. And he presses his finger and, like, the Titantron falls over. Yeah. Or then Kane is like, his powers are as good as yours, Undertaker. And then he sets a cameraman on fire. Like, <laughs> I mean, have you, you said you had problems with, I mean, you know. I do and I don't. I love the showmanship of it. I think it's so funny how ridiculously over the top it all is. And I, I do love that side of wrestling so much. Do we not? Do you think we don't get any of that anymore? I mean, is we that definitely something... get less because I mean, you've got Bray Wyatt. He kind of has magic mm, powers. A little bit. But... He got out of that locked container with uh, Randy Orton the last yeah, week on SmackDown. Yeah. How did he do that? There was CCTV footage and it went kind of fuzzy. He's gone. There Not the go. same as setting someone on fire, no. though. It bothers me how inconsistently it's used. Mm. It is literally at like big pay-per-views. It's like, oh, we've suddenly got a budget. Let's give Kane magic powers. Yeah. Would you like to see Kane... <laughs> Would you like to see Kane use magic in the matches? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? But also, it bothers me that he has fire powers, and then, like, in the Inferno match that we are about to watch, he is weak against fire mm. and can be burned. So What's he's not a fire type Pokemon, Joe. No, then. exactly. So what, if he's, but I thought he was fire type. Was it just a lack of explanation then? Did you want, like, more of a. A reasoning behind their powers. Yeah, I want to know why he's got powers. Um, I want to know why he and the Undertaker both have fire powers. Because I can only assume it means they are from hell. 
Right. Oh, I always thought Taker was lightning elemental. And yeah. He was fire. Yeah, yeah. Taker's oh, more of a lightning guy. Oh, because he did the stuff guy. where he like made stuff explode. And... That's true. Yeah, he mm. used like he, Taker would have control over lights and you know and lightning because Taker's color was always kind of blue and yeah. purple. And it's really fun because when they had like the the build up to Kane coming because Paul Bear would keep coming out and say your secret's gonna come. Kane is alive and he's gonna get you. And Taker, like, what are you talking about? And all the lights would turn red. So it was like. I don't know, they had kind of strong associations with the colour and the motifs of it, I guess. But do you know the actual reason why Kane and Undertaker were on the outs? Why they were like strange brothers? Why it was a big shock when Kane came to to fight the Undertaker? I mean, Paul Bearer does, oh Jesus, very badly and very briefly explain it in the run-up to uh, Kane setting the Undertaker's parents on fire. You lie there with your dead mama! So, okay, from what I can gather, The Undertaker's parents... No, hang on. Oh, God, this is so <laughs> fucking messed up. Right, so, Kane was set on fire by The Undertaker, and Kane's parents died. They burned to death, right? I think. And then Kane was blamed for it, yeah. which makes no sense, because he was in the fire and had terrible burns, apparently. <laughs> right? no, so I don't know why they blame the scorched child. Kane had such an Irish mammy. Oh, like. he's an orphan. Let's blame him. But you know, like he's covered, like he's, he's covered in burns on fire. What have you been doing? Have you been playing with them matches again? For fuck's sake, you're all burned up. Look at you, you've ruined your bloody good skin. Look at all them burns. They're not going to come out and they'll laugh at you. They'll laugh at you. Meanwhile, The Undertaker, presumably fine, is uh, he gets off scot-free and becomes yeah. a famous wrestler. Yeah. The thing, the reason was, was because The Undertaker was able to blame Kane because Kane had all these emotional problems as a kid and he was like a recluse and he like tortured animals and was known to be playing with matches all the time. Wait, but why is he playing with matches if he has magic fire powers? He didn't have the magic fire powers then. So Pre-fire, man. So that happened as a result of the fire. Uh, we're assuming it happened in between. So Kane got blamed for the fire because he was known to play with matches. So he was blamed for his own parents' death. He was blamed for his own parents' death. But what we didn't know at that time was that Kane and Undertaker's parents, Kane and Undertaker are actually not brothers. They're half-brothers. Mm. Paul Bearer is actually Kane's father. But yeah. they didn't know that until afterwards. I'm really confused then. So Kane's parents... Oh, wait, no, that's... No, so Kane's parents, his dad. So Paul Bear is his dad. So the only person who was related to Kane that died in the fire was Kane's mother. Kane and Undertaker so who shared the, the same other mother. Person? Undertaker's, Undertaker's dad. dad. Oh, so it's the Undertaker's parents yeah. that yes. were burned. Yeah, yeah, and he shares a mother sense. with Kane. Okay. And the idea was that uh, Undertaker was was under the impression that Kane had died in the fire, but what actually had happened was Paul Bear had in secret. Hang on, hang on. How can Kane be thought of to die in the fire and also blamed for the fire? Because Kane was able to play with matches, the funeral home burned down, so it's like, oh, okay, it's you know, him. At the end of Star Wars Episode Three, like imagine it's Paul Bearer that comes along and finds Kane's like charred body and then <laughs> drags <laughs> him Must to save himself on fire. Oh, that boy. <laughs> what about Padme? <laughs> Is she all right? So no. <laughs> found Kane's a child at this point presumably his yep. scorched body Paul Bear took him away and put him in an insane asylum so Paul Bear happened to be there at the time of the fire do we yep. not maybe think that Paul Bear started the fire he worked in the funeral home if I'm remembering correctly yeah, if, so you know, business I'm just saying he's going to make some money out of this you, you know six feet under you yeah. know basically because it was a funeral home Paul Bear was like the guy who's like the, the apprentice in six feet under that was his job he was the guy who was put through um, well, Paul Bear isn't even the funeral. No, Paul Bear was just an intern at the time, and that's how he actually ended up becoming uh, Kane's 
illegitimate father because he randomly one night was seduced he says by Undertaker's mother and uh, had sex with her and also and, he yeah. also can you want to divulge the extra detail there Adam just so we have the cherry on top of this backstory and young Taker walked in on the act while it was ha- and Paul and Paul Barrow's like bragging about this with a huge smile on his face like little Undertaker came in and he saw everything <laughs> he saw me having sex with his mama what the fuck no <laughs> wonder he burnt the funeral home down there <laughs> Fucked up. Well, so who did burn the funeral? Was it the Undertaker? It was Undertaker. Yeah. Because when Kane first debuted, it was all like, Kane did it, he's a pyromaniac. Undertaker was like, he killed my parents. And then when Undertaker turned heel a few years later, he was like, nah, I'm just playing. <laughs> I killed my parents. Literally, the Undertaker burnt his parents alive. Yeah. Yes. Then blamed his little innocent brother, yeah. who he thought had died in the fire. Mm-hmm. What a heel. <laughs> yeah. And so the Undertaker's parents worked at the funeral home? Yes, yes. they owned the funeral home. Yeah. Okay, I'm starting to get this more piece in, together. In this scenario, Undertaker is Nate from America. Okay, yeah, so he's Nate, younger. and Kane is Michael. Except Kane is kind of, you Instead know... Instead of being gay, he's... He's fire powers, burned. yeah. Instead okay. of, you know, liking to go to Fire Island, he's got fire powers instead, okay? Right. So right. that's a lot of backstory. I think we got it, though. Yeah. That's Kane's backstory. Good Next time on How To Six Feet Underwater, we dive into another character. I mean, you gotta grab the nearest HBO show, hold on to it for dear life, and use that to explain every fucking bit of wrestling you can. <laughs> so we decided the first match to watch with Kane, because we wanted to get across his feud with The Undertaker, which is huge, obviously. But also, we wanted to get across the fact that Kane, like The Undertaker, is strongly associated with what we call gimmick matches. Matches that have, like, a silly kind of... Um, you no. know, rule or whatever to them. And I told Joe we would be watching an Inferno match. What did you think that would be when I told you that at the start? I mean, I just assumed, I think, that, you know, the the ring would be on fire or some ridiculous, you know, stupid fucking fire gimmick thing. <laughs> which, I mean, I wasn't far off. Yeah, it, it was. It's pretty much, they set the ring on fire for this one. So Kane and The Undertaker wrestled at Unforgiven 1998 with the ring surrounded by flames and uh this was an interesting one to watch because like you've got kane here who's got all this mystique which he doesn't have anymore i don't think Mm -hmm. because when kane comes out here he's all like you know the lights the music the pyro he seems i don't know like he seems like scary with the mask and what do you think of kane's look back here compared to current kane's look i love this this look of kane i think he looks awesome and the whole like not talking thing and having Paul Bearer just be his mouthpiece is awesome and it works so well. Do you know how Kane actually spoke at the time if he ever did speak? No, no, I didn't even lisp. I hope he had a lisp. <laughs> that would be really cool. If he had a lisp, he wouldn't have gotten a push from Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon oh, yeah. literally oh, yeah. has That's de-pushed true. people. No, how cool it would have been though, have someone like badass like Kane with a lisp. It would have been great. Vince would have played it for yucks. Oh, you know, yeah. he would have had him slipping on banana peels. Like, <laughs> Look at this idiot with a lisp. But uh, no, Kane used to speak with a voice voice box so you'd have a little microphone oh up I to get your throat. earlier joke now ah, yeah <laughs> so we had Kane and we had the uh, kind of hang on sorry to I've just kind of it's registered why did he have the voice box because he'd been wasn't damaged? it the, the smoke had fucked up his vocal cords yeah. or something it's but one yeah. of the many things they retconned yeah they quickly went back on that totally <laughs> retconned yeah. Yeah. once it went from kind of like oh isn't it really cool when you have Kane kind of go I will set myself on fire and then it's like tonight Kane explains his feud with Xbox 
you see me and ex-partner. <laughs> so Paul Bear is quite like a sweet, understanding dad, really, because he's just like enabling Kane's odd, erratic behaviour where he thinks he's been horribly burned in a fire. Yeah. yeah. If you think about what came out later on. Yeah. yeah. Paul Bear was just like, oh, it helps him. So we'll just let him go with it. He's, that's a bit weird. Paul Bear is like, I do want to have to say it again here because we said a lot on the Edge podcast, but watching stuff back with you, holy shit, what a fucking performer. Mm. Like, everything he does, he, you were saying like how he was like such like a cartoon villain with his big yeah. weird face and he plays it, he knows he's a weird looking dude and he does these weird fucking expressions and his fucking scary ass eyes. I could watch Paul Bear do promos all day and never sleep because I've had nightmares yeah, <laughs> all fucking time. Paul Bear is the cheese snack before bed that you regret when you're trying to sleep. I think of Paul Bear as being the really evil version of Paul Heyman. <laughs> That's quite accurate, actually. Yeah, it's true. Even more evil than even Paul. more. Yeah. So um, we start this off with a very sensitive Jerry the King Lawler having his uh, fire foods nearby. He's got his hot dogs. He's got his marshmallows. Ha ha! Someone's going to be set on fire. <laughs> I love the whole fact that Undertaker was like, I will not fight you. He was like against fighting his brother and mm. Kane had to goad him into it, slapping him. That's why he like kept digging up his parents and like pissing on him. <laughs> I thought at the time, I was like, the Undertaker seems a bit too calm about this whole digging up his yeah. parents and setting them on fire. Of course, in retrospect, if he did burn them to death, there's no wonder. Really. Yeah, he's probably just feeling mad awkward in the ring. Like, oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. oh, God. Oh. I haven't seen them since I... Uh, oh. Oh boy. Did I do that? <laughs> um, what I do like about this as well, as something you alluded to earlier, Adam, is the fact that this was like watching two demons or two like fucking superheroes. It's yeah. like you've tuned into not wrestling. Mm. You've tuned into Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm. or you've tuned into some weird sci-fi Japanese goblin. anime. Or yeah, something. you know. Yeah. And I'll tell you, like, what kept me around watching wrestling when I first started watching '98 was even though it wasn't my favorite wrestler was the likes of Kane and Undertaker because even though I had my favorites the first person I bought a toy of was Kane mm. and Mankind in a two pack because those were like they weren't like wrestlers they had masks they were weird they had powers they were fucked up I just thought it was amazing I have a question mm-hmm. which is because like surely you both were watching wrestling around the time when it all came out that oh it's fake and kids in the playground be like hey hey you like wrestling it's fake mm. did you not resent Kane and the Undertaker for kind of exposing the business and making it look silly no I didn't care about the business being exposed even as a child it was more sort of like I know it's fake why, why like <laughs> my, my, my parents told me it was fake when I first started watching it it's not a big deal that it's fake like it was a tiresome argument because like. really? I think both of us started watching wrestling with already kind of going like alright yeah it's fake I get it yeah the first time I sat down and watched the wrestling match literally arms folded my brother was like go on seriously it's great I'm like fake and like oh look at that oh look at that Like, and I was watching you know, and it was like some random match and I was scoffing at it the whole time and then it was literally Kane, Undertaker lights, lightning I was like oh man and I didn't care that it was fake yeah you know, I, I, I liked that they were doing this because if it's gonna be fake at least go full out yeah, yeah exactly you know yeah. if it's gonna be fake at least have some fucking fireworks yeah <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I agree actually I think it's it is, if you're gonna go 
kind of ridiculous like that, you may as well go full hog. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because at the moment, you have a little bit of that with Bray Wyatt. And honestly, it just does seem a bit strange and silly. Because then you've got really super serious, like, athletic wrestling, which is like, oh, take it really seriously. It's such a, you know, elite It's a sport. sport. It's a contest. Yeah. yeah. Sports entertainment. And then you've got magic powers. Yeah. I do kind of like, at least within the context of Kane and Undertaker having their Inferno match and everything, it was this kind of silly over the top mm. world they didn't half ass it like they do with Bray Wyatt yeah like, where he has powers once every Sometimes. few months if he feels like yeah <laughs> it kind of they were definitely a little bit more consistent with that you know I do like at the start when they just light that ring on fire and this is the visual image this is a match where there's still images I guess maybe do it better justice mm. than the actual match itself because when they do a big move and they make the, the light the fire go up and go like that and it climbs up the ring mm. it looks awesome it does it does kind of I mean we watched this one for the editor of podcast yeah. and you can tell straight away there's two men in the ring who wish that he didn't have long hair and had all that <laughs> loads on of them. clothes yeah, yeah. Oh, face mask it's warm were you excited by the idea of the Inferno though when you actually understood what was going on in it and how you win did you think it would make for a good match I thought it would be a bit limiting but mm. I was really grateful that if it was going to be any kind because I, I understand that Inferno matches have happened since haven't they yes yes so like, if it's going to happen with anyone, I'm glad it's with wrestlers like Kane and Undertaker who don't do a lot of like rope mu- based moves and mm, yeah. flips and like stuff that would be genuinely terrifying if there was fire there. Yeah. I think the wrestlers who don't fart a lot as well, which obviously would Thank be quite, quite an issue. You put Vader in there, like, <laughs> you know, the, the ring's going to be, it's a ticking time bomb, like, you know. I do have a question about the fire though, which hmm. is in kayfabe, is it supposed to be powered by Kane? No. As far as I know, in kayfabe, it is literally just some fire. Like, just like they've just set up some Because, yeah. yeah, there is a point where Paul Bear goes over and, like, he starts messing with the pyrotechnics. Yeah. That's when Undertaker can't get out of the ring and the fire is too high. But if Kane has firepowers, why don't he just make it all fiery wherever the Undertaker is? My fan theory for this has always been. Kane Undertaker have an agreement <laughs> <laughs> a gentleman's agreement now no playing with the fire we often sip from the same font <laughs> no their agreement <laughs> I always thought that they had like they had superpowers but they had like a mana bar basically which is basically like kind of like, <laughs> like you know ocean yeah like they had a mana bar and if they did too many like in a match they're going to do lots of big moves mm. and if they're doing lots of big moves they can't be going out doing you know fucking fire and light. Yeah, you'd be knackered, man. Because they'd be knackered. Also, they're liable to be fined because it's against the rules. So, yeah, get DQ'd, right. man. You know, so uh, maybe that was always it. It's kind of like, yeah, I can set the ring on fire, but I'm not gonna because A, I'll be too weakened after right. doing it. Because think about it, anytime they set the ring on fire or something like that, these guys with the magic powers, they always just walk off afterwards. Yeah. And they're like, point proven, go backstage. <laughs> you know, Kane set, does the fireworks and then it's like all this black sick. <laughs> <laughs> I really see the whole Fraser Crane thing with the Undertaker here. Yeah, even at this point in time, you can see it. Well, because I, I something about seeing him in the ring surrounded by fire was like, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I see. <laughs> just the way that um, I don't know. He just I didn't really ever understand the whole Fraser Crane thing before. I mean, I kind of got it, the jokes a little yeah. bit here and there. But he really looks like Fraser yeah. Crane. I think it's he's got the brow right here. Yeah, and the kind of slightly receding hairline. And uh, everything, yeah. You notice how everyone in this match was just like hot. Paul Bear ringside is like sweating, sweating profusely. Bucket. I mean, they are surrounded by fire. JR and King on commentary are like, 
We are very warm. <laughs> Let me tell you something, folks. If you don't believe that this is fire, me and Jerry are both incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> everyone involved in the stupid Inferno matches is like, oh, for fuck's sake, another Inferno Again. match. Oh. Can you imagine being in the audience? Like? It's August. Yeah, front row. As far as I know, after this, they didn't tinker around with it because this was very much like the one where you could tell within a minute their hair is sopping wet. Yeah. You can see Kane, like the, the hair flapping that he's sucking the wind. Fucking makeup all melting off his face. Horrid in that mask and Absolutely. the body, Jesus. Yeah, if you don't know, Joe, actually, if you wearing a mask in wrestling is like it's really oh, it's a pain because one, your vision is really restricted, and two, you're breathing as well. And if you're a big guy like Kane, mm. I always say I'm very impressed with Kane that you know they always call him the Big Red Machine, but he's got fucking stamina. You know, how many wrestlers have wrestled in a mask that? literally covers your entire face yeah. like no fabric over the mask like, it's like solid plastic over his mouth a little slit tiny like that. little line and his nose is all smushed like Ugh. no one else really wrestled in that kind of mask for that many years yeah like, he, full time he's earned that new mask of his yeah <laughs> even if he does look a bit shy like I, I think he's he deserves it at this point do you reckon point. he was really happy when it got to corporate cane he was like thank fuck <laughs> yeah. oh, I just wear a suit I can cut my hair <laughs> I like that they do the fire effects when big moves happen, particularly the big chair shot we get at one point. Fucking massive big flick oh. of a fire. There are some moments though where it's literally like right hand. <laughs> <laughs> the fire just kicks up randomly. You were so concerned because I remember we, me and Adam watched this together, you know, for the Edge podcast, and we were so fucking jaded by this because we we're like, <laughs> oh, so fucking lame. But I must say, when I was watching it with you, the fact that every time Undertaker was near the ropes, you were like, oh shit, like the fire is yeah. right there. That actually made me realise, with long hair and his arm, he's yeah. leaning against those ropes. Because they're only like three inches above the flames. Mm. And like, if you've ever been near a candle and a stupid kid, which I'm sure we've all been there, <laughs> you've held your hand above it and you realise it's actually hotter above the flame yeah. than it is actually on it they were probably legit in pain for most of that match when you see them run the ropes as well oh. it's what we always talk about on like our, uh, our pay-per-view review episodes Joe and I basically always spend at least 10 minutes talking about how we don't like how Dana Brooke for instance runs the ropes <laughs> Dana Brooke runs the ropes like the ropes are on fire yes. <laughs> like she yeah. runs and stops and is like oh shit gotta be careful <laughs> Undertaker is running these ropes that are actually on fire yeah. with so such fucking ferocity it's uh. absolutely incredible it must be terrifying to wrestle that close to flame yes, I do absolutely. have endless respect for them for that there is a phrase which is uttered here which is very synonymous with Kane which is through hellfire and brimstone mm. now what is brimstone I always just <laughs> when I was a kid I imagined just like sort of a red like magma rock <laughs> kind of with Kane written on it in a <laughs> big scary gothic font because Gerald would always say through hellfire and brimstone the big red machine and all that all I know about brimstone is that it smells funny yeah, it's Does like it? eggs, mm. isn't it? Yeah. It smells like eggs. It's Ugh. like that kind of... Oh, you get it in like volcanoes, I think. Right. You yeah. know what? I've been absolutely shattered to find out. I always thought it was through hell, comma, fire, and brimstone. Yeah. But it's actually... Hellfire. Through hellfire <gasps> and oh, brimstone. That's so weird. My whole life. I was putting a comma in my whole life. Yeah. You think you know a guy, huh? What? Wow. That puts a new spin on the whole Kane character. <laughs> Did you like, because Kane is the choke slam here, and he's also going for the tombstone pile driver, both of which are the finishing moves of his brother, the Undertaker. And Kane also does things like sitting up like his brother, the Undertaker. I was wondering what you thought it was, like if you thought it was cool or lame that Kane has basically his brother's moveset. 
I think it's quite cool. It wouldn't be as cool if they weren't brothers. Half brothers, mm. I guess. Yeah. yeah, but like they grew up together, so mm-hmm. it makes sense that then they both got powers as well. I like that they have little things in common and variants on the little things. Yeah, because Kane goes for the tombstone pile driver. He slits his throat using his finger. He go like that. <laughs> and when Undertaker does it, he uses his thumb. And when Undertaker hits the tombstone pile driver, he puts your hands over your heart like that. When Kane does it, he puts your hands out like that, like you're on a cross, basically, and he pins you like that. Now, as an older sibling, I'm calling this out as as, as sibling rivalry. <laughs> my brother used to copy me all the time. When you did the tombstone pile driver, <laughs> yeah, obviously. I mean, and I'd always be like, stop copying me. And he'd be like, no, I'm doing it slightly different, so it's not copying. That's what's happening here. We have Kane going over the top rope and starting to leave and inexplicably Vader appears but what was really cool about this and this was a moment which I guess shows you how cynical we were at the start of the editor of podcast that we didn't pop for but this was huge when Undertaker did a suicide dive he jumped over the yeah. fire out of the ring what wow. the fuck incredible that, image that, right ugh, I didn't realise the Undertaker was so good mm. at wrestling he's, he's so good he's very agile like. he's huge and he did a suicide dive out of the ring over the top rope over fire over fire <laughs> and then you have Undertaker killing Paul Bear like smacking him into a drum Oof. and uh, setting Kane on fire and actually watching it this time setting Kane being set on fire something that really scared me because I only noticed it watching it rewinding on the network I've seen this match a jillion times you know the way Kane's meant to lean up against the fire with his sleeved arm mm. and it gets caught on fire but what happens first is Undertaker knocks him back and Kane's normal arm ah. and he, you can see him straight away he retches it back because he obviously gets to, he gets a burn there he got burnt on his actual yeah, arm fuck but I must say, Kane being set on fire, running to the back here. I the goal of this match was to be like, and Kane is just kind of like, you know, he had a lot of gimmicks, but it didn't really work, and you know, it kind of it doesn't work in a match. But I think of all the matches we've watched in HT Wrestling recently, considering that most of these guys did was kick and punch, you were actually Joe quite like, wow. I think it's because there were big moves in it that were genuinely shocking, mm-hmm. and I think. Rest, good wrestling matches need that. Watching it again, did was there any improvement for you watching the Inferno? Match? I was less disappointed because I hadn't got sky high expectations this time. I was thinking, oh, this is gonna be a shit match, and then it made me appreciate the little potted moments a lot more. I think. What did you think to the finish, though, Joe? What did you reckon to Kane like walking away with one arm on fire? I was really confused because I forgot that the whole thing of this match was that you had to set the person on fire. <laughs> just well, yeah, they... Kane was like taking his ball and going, "Oh, like fuck like, this!" Coward, <laughs> yeah, it's like inexplicably like. Oh, fire, owie. Bye. That makes him a coward. <laughs> being on fire. He's a demon man. He's surrounded with fire. But yeah, they don't ring the bell straight away, so it is kind of awkward. Like, he does just, like, toddle off, like, really weird. You know what? Now that I think about it, I don't think Joe actually knows the ending. You can reveal, you know, wrestling secrets exposed now without a bibble. Let Joe know the actual oh, finish. Yeah, so it's just, like, I think it's so obvious when you notice it. Like, if you watch this match again, you'll see it, and it's really, like, cheap looking like there's a point where Kane gets knocked down on the next to the apron when Undertaker goes off to chase Paul Bearer and then when he comes back Kane stands up and for a brief couple of seconds they use as far back a camera angle as they can to avoid it but for a brief couple of seconds you can see Kane's arm is suddenly all huge and wet and looks like paper mache and like he's just got this really dodgy looking like crumpled wrinkly arm oh my god which then obviously just gets so if you were in the front row like you would have seen it coming a mile away but the effect I, is still cool. It, it actually, I think what the the fact of how they get away with it, I guess, is because you're in such shock and awe when you first see it. Kind of like, oh shit, guy on fire! Like, oh god, he got burned. You know, people jumping over the fire. 
your kind of heart is racing almost. And yeah. You don't, you're not expecting to, to see that. But, but if you watch it back again, it is kind of hokey. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Ken getting set on fire and losing his first match. Did you give this one a rating, Joe? Oh, I certainly did. I gave it four stars. Oh. Which I didn't realize you two were really like cynical about the match. Because the two of them just punch and kick yes. for ages. Yeah, but it's but good. It's got its moments. I mean, I guess because like we've covered a few matches in Hansi Wrestling, like older matches where like Jerry Lawler, a mm. huge number of his moves are punching and kicking. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, it's like the performance itself which kind of around that which makes it a good or a bad match and it was just the way like Kane does some great acting in this and I say that fully aware that his face is covered and mm. you can't see any of his expressions but like his eyes mm. you can see so much in that and his body language and I love the story around it as well it's ridiculous but it's kind of got an actual story which is good and The Undertaker doing that suicide dive was just that made it for me yeah I it really cool. it. well the thing about this I mean, we'll probably eventually do a Kane and Undertaker feud episode you know ah. we're going to do feud episodes down the line but Kane and Undertaker it was a running joke on the Outer podcast about them betraying each other yeah. teaming up Paul Bear betrays Kane then he's with Undertaker then he betrays Undertaker and he's with Kane back and forth they literally the, the Ross and Rachel of the Attitude Era basically <laughs> yeah we were on a cane like you know but non-stop <laughs> non-stop from 1998 until 2010 they were non-stop mm. like whose side is Kane on Kane and the Undertaker I don't know which side you guys are on it was just non-stop almost to the point of ridiculousness I yeah. guess you could say but I think this is like a, it was a cool match to watch an important one to watch because Kane and Undertaker are forever linked You'll never be able to tease those two apart, I don't think. So a couple of months after this, uh, Kane went into a feud with Stone Cold for the championship. And it was sort of like the first time and also the only time for many years that Kane would be in the title picture than like a serious contender. And at, was it King of the Ring? King of the Ring 98, King yeah. of the Ring 98, Kane versus Austin in a first blood match. So the first person to make his opponent bleed is declared the winner. Kane wore two sleeves for this match. So he had two red sleeves, mask, full bodysuit, and literally one little hand exposed. <laughs> and that's what Austin had to work with, basically. Jesus. So needless to say, Kane obviously won. Like, Austin got all busted open, and Kane <laughs> won the belt. And, like, amazing to see Kane with the championship. And then the next night on Raw, Stone Cold beat him for it and won it back. Aww. So Kane being champion for 24 hours. <laughs> and that was it for years. Next time he won the belt like, was 2010, I yeah. think. Oh this was the only time, like, Mask Kane was the guy. Yeah. It was for 24 hours. 24 hours. I had no idea. I always yeah. assumed he had this, like, long title. No. No, no. He had, a, he had a bit of a run when he was the champion of SmackDown in, like, 2010. And literally, that was one of those kind of. Oh, someone, you know, Edge is injured. Yeah. Let's give a few Kane months, the belt like, a few months. That's shocking. I always assumed because he was like this, you know, the big red machine. He's mm-hmm. iconic. He has to win loads of belts. I thought, I mean, wow. It's the other yeah. example of yeah. like titles not making the career, really, because he hasn't really had any memorable title reigns, not like really, even with no. the mid card belts. Yeah. Like, wow. But he's still regarded as one of the biggest legends of like the last 15 years. So. It's very interesting that you probably can actually have a strong enough character. You don't need those, no. you know, those, those trinkets or those mm. you know, accomplishments. But Kane, like, around that time as well, what started becoming apparent is that because Kane was just this silent guy, and you think about it, he was a kid who was just taken away and put in an asylum and was just told that his brother had just, you know, murdered his parents or you know, <laughs> murdered his mother. And, you know, Kane was actually 
at this point, start become quite a sympathetic figure. He went into an asylum. Yeah, mm-hmm. put, Paul Bearer put him in an asylum. Genuinely. Paul Bearer rescued him from the burning wreckage of the funeral home mm-hmm. and yeah. thought, I won't look after my son, I'll put him in an asylum. I will put thee in a nunnery. Not even in an <laughs> orphanage. No, it was an asylum. asylum, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, for the uh, criminally insane, no doubt. But what was becoming apparent at this point was that it wasn't necessarily that Kane was this guy who wanted to kill the Undertaker. It was Paul Bearer who actually wanted to use Kane as a, you know, as a tool, as a puppet, to go and fight the Undertaker. And then what started to happen around 98, 99 was that all these people were just kind of saying, Kane is this big, strong guy, and he's a fucking moron. He's an idiot. He he can't talk. He doesn't know right from wrong. We can get him to do our dirty work. And you had Vince McMahon, you know, getting Kane to go beat up Austin for him. And you had Undertaker, who like, you're my brother, you have to do what I say. And Undertaker, as a bad guy, would get Kane to do his dirty work for him. And it actually ended up making Kane this really sympathetic figure. And he ended up becoming a huge face around 1999 because it was like everyone could relate to this guy, this outsider who had been taken advantage of and just wanted to wrestle and wanted to kind of have a normal life and was just made to do all this horrible shit. Aww. It was like when the Rancor gets killed in Return of the Jedi. You're like, <laughs> hey, he's actually not that bad. He's just a guy who's been made to do bad things. <laughs> and what we got in 99 was Kane getting his own little girlfriends and stuff like that. Which is so weird to me to think that Demon Kane can have girlfriends. <laughs> yeah, he can have girlfriends. Do you know who the first person who Kane had an on-screen relationship was? Don't tell me it's like Stephanie McMahon or something. <laughs> No, someone we've done an episode on. Trish. Nope. China. Yes. Kane really? and China, yeah. Now that, if they'd done like an actual, did they ever do like a sort of tag team thing? Yeah. That would have been they awesome. Did. I want to see that. That'd be great. They're both like monsters. It's fantastic. And it, like most of Kane's storylines involving women or people being his friend, involved him being betrayed at the end. Yeah. Aww. And uh, the next one which we decided to watch here was, uh, you know, looking at Kane's uh, on-ski relationship with Tori, who was his uh, girlfriend for a while, and we decided to look at Kane taking on his former best pal, who then betrayed him, like all of Kane's friends. You can see why people kind of gathered to Kane. We've all Easily, been betrayed yeah. by people have, Yeah, we've all been betrayed by supposed friends. Who hasn't been fucked over by X Pac in that? So we decided to watch a match which I remember on the Attitude podcast us gushing about. Mm. Because a lot of Kane's matches, unfortunately, throughout the Attitude involved him versus Undertaker or him versus Big Show. And the problem with <laughs> the problem with that is is that Kane is someone that looks tiny because he's worth with the, working with the Undertaker, who's the same mm. size, with the Big Show, who's bigger. This match, Kane versus X Pac in a cage. And Xbox is this little fucking creep who's harassing Kane and his girlfriend, and Kane's gonna kill him inside of a cage. Big monster who's twice the size of him. This is, a, I think, one of the moments where Kane actually got a chance to really shine. Because he is actually a lot better wrestler than well, people give him credit I for. Mean, I think the issue with him fighting Big Show and The Undertaker is less to do with size, although I will give you credit that there is a little bit of that to do with it. But I think mainly it's the fact that all their styles are far too similar. Mm. They're all slow, yeah. lumbering, punch, kick, punch, kick. Let's go over to the corner and do yeah. some punches. Yeah. Whereas X-Park, he's a flip-de-doo kind of thrilling him across the ring and it'll look awesome and mm. he'll dive outside and shit. And I think you need that kind of dynamic you need a bit of variance yeah what are your thoughts on the dynamic of like having the big massive face against the tiny little cowardly heel because like really the deck is stacked against x-pac here so you should be sympathetic towards him there are some people who think that you can't do this you can't have a big scary monster good guy and a little tiny 
Bad guy. I think those people lack imagination and empathy. <laughs> because I think maybe because I'm going out with Mr. Six Foot Five, giant nice guy here, but like I, I, I'm fully aware that big guys don't have to be terrifyingly scary and evil, <laughs> and little guys don't. Thank have to you. Necessarily it's about time. It's about time. All these tweets. Ooh, Kevin, I love your podcast, but you're so fucking scary. You know, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, it's, it's an understandable trope, isn't it, of the big heel and yeah. the little face. But I think it works the other way around, if you just have some empathy. I think so. Mm. Now, this here, in my opinion, is best colour scheme Kane, where he's Ooh, got the yeah. black and the red re- re- reversed. <laughs> I fucking love that. For me, this is best Kane. Yeah. This is best Kane with the black and red as opposed to the red and black and the, the backwards mask. I think it's fucking awesome. Well, you're wrong, but it's, it's up there. It's, it's, one, it's one of the best ones. But. So your favourite Kane is is Inferno match Kane? No, uh, my favourite Kane is the one we'll get to in a bit. He's the, oh. in the Royal Rumble match with his vest. So vest like Kane. Best Kane. Ve- best, Not best, vest. best Kane is vest Kane. Absolutely. Mm. Which I must say, we'll take this moment to say, Dan, our illustrator, that artwork for oh, them, my God. Sexy. He's done it so well. You know, fucking Kane incredible. is Dan's favourite wrestler? It shows because there's does. passion yeah. and love in that picture right there. So we have Kane taking on X Pac inside of a cage, and X Pac is being a jerk. He's like, hey, what do you got a girlfriend? What are you gay? Yeah, having girlfriends is so gay. <laughs> Tell your old lady, keep calling me at night, man. I'm like hanging out with my buds. I don't want no girls calling me. What are you gay? How can anyone think that X Pac is anything but the heel when he's like literally like harassing Tori? When he's so wearing much. that hat as well, isn't he's it? He's such a dick. He's so lame as yeah. well. He's like, oh, I might decide to pin Kane. Hit him with the X Factor. It might do Bronco Buster. So I didn't realise until this match as well that his finisher was called the X Factor, yeah. which I fucking hate. <laughs> I hate that. I hate wordplay. Simon Cowell. I like that Kane is a gentle monster who wants to save his lady friend. You mm. know, they, it's a nice little story here, which is like Tori is kind of, you know, she's been harassed by X Pac, and uh, Kane is like literally no ifs, ands, or buts. He's going to kill this boy mm. for what he's done. And I just love the ferocity which Kane goes after X Pac right from the go here, you know, and he's so big compared to X-Pac in this he dwarfs him it really makes Kane seem like yeah. this big strong monster mm. because Kane is a lot bigger and a lot stronger than I do think he gets credit for you know uh, X-Pac runs around the ring at the start he's terrified of Kane and once he's in there he's like a pinball you know mm. Kane is throwing him about X-Pac is bouncing all over the place he makes Kane look like this unstoppable force it's kind of like one of those little you know the little sticky men that you get and you throw it at the wall and you go <laughs> blip, 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 all the way down that's X-Pac it's kind of cathartic to see that because there's so many times when you're watching Adam Share stuff where it's like ha ha he's being a dick and then Jim Ross is like Oh, that sucks. And that's it. Yeah. No come up. Oh, you've forgotten the Jerry Lawler comments. And Jerry Lawler was like, We got a match off here, oh, by the fuck. way. Yeah, he is on fire in this match. At the beginning of the match, where. Um, Kane's Kane's penis. <laughs> 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 Mine's huge, seriously, but Kane. <laughs> At the beginning of this match, Kane escapes the cage to go get X Pac off Tori. And Lawler says, uh, she set him up. And Ross goes, what do you mean? X-Pac approached her. And Lawler says, yeah, but you know what women are like. And she's a tart. He's literally blaming Tori for mm. X-Pac harassing her and then Kane getting punished as a result. You know what women are like. We've all we've all read my court documents. We know what oh. they're like. We know what they're like. 
this is one of those instances where his misogyny is so big that like yeah. it's not even remotely veiled like yeah. not even slightly trying to hide it's it it's like... slightly overshadowed by the number of dick jokes that he makes about <laughs> yeah. how did men do both like, it's like you know when one minute you're kind of like oh fucking women man they're like, let me take it about dicks for a second like, yeah, I, got, I got a cracker of a dick joke here oh look at that fucking woman anyway come here about willies as we were saying his is tiny mine is massive it's his <laughs> withered burned tiny crisp me mine no burns meat sausage perfect the best penis we just become Donald Trump yeah. all of a sudden like, <laughs> best penis uh, I love the moment even though it's quite distressing when Tori's run into the ring and uh, she's like you know trying to save Kane or whatever and then Kane gets hand- he's handcuffed to the cage mm. and Kane has to watch yeah. as X-Pac like he spits at her he hits her it's fucking vile but Kane's like and he rips the handcuff off and he goes over to you know oh god I fucking love that amazing storytelling yeah really really great and I love as well the part where X-Pac thinks that he's escaped and Kane just puts him on his shoulders he's like uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> back we go and he fucking slams that cage yeah. door oh my god That's so cool now a moment which we get in this match and it's something which is fucking incredible Kane has got these moments of athleticism and Joe's been watching you know 50 something year old Kane really wearing out that left knee trying yeah. to hold out for that bump <laughs> reduction scheme he's got going on there and you certainly ain't seen Kane with these feats of athleticism were you surprised to see Kane dive off the top of the fucking cage in this yeah that was fucking oh wow that <laughs> I mean, was kane, amazing i mean kane does these random athletic moves i think i showed you earlier kane doing a hurricane rana yes <laughs> yeah. what the yeah. hell what the fuck like he'll pop out and drop kick now yeah. and then he oh can, he's so good at those he, he can do his top rope clothesline i really know? like that he does that because I, I like appreciate the fact that it's thanks to him only doing those moves infrequently that a makes them seem much more impressive and b meant he can wrestle through his exactly, absolutely, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Kane's athleticism, you won't have seen it in these two matches because they're gimmicky. But have you seen in any of Kane's regular matches the way he will exit the ring? Because that's one of my favourite fucking things about him. He goes backwards, puts, he puts his arms out. Yeah, he leans back against the ropes, puts his arms over it, and then just literally flips over like oh my backwards. God. And he does it perfectly every time. It's real cool how he does it. I absolutely adore you it. You don't expect this huge man to suddenly go like that and just flip backwards like out. Like Charlotte would do. Yeah, yeah exactly. It is. It's exactly. a real like athletic little... He's, he's, he's nimble. Mm. I think is what Kane is. I got. love how him and The Undertaker are surprisingly nimble. I yeah. mean, that's why they're so successful. If you're that big and you're athletic and you're strong. They probably put it from their mother. Paul <laughs> Bear is not doing bad seeing as he's got the Paul Bear jeans in there, know. you know? He's been doing a good job. <laughs> so Kane hits the tombstone pile driver on X Pocket wins a very vindictive like match, a very kind of heartwarming moment to see him stand up for his lady. Did you give this one a star rating, Joe? I did, and I feel bad because I know you both love this match. I only gave it three stars. Whoa. Oh, okay. But the stuff with Jerry Lawler constantly harassing on Tory mm. really put me off this. Yeah, absolutely. And the cage match rules I find so confusing. Mm. I lost yeah, track so many times. Yeah, because because X Pac was allowed to escape or pin, but Kane could only win by pinning, Pinfall. and it was yeah. confusing. It was very confusing. It was, and it wasn't maybe explained as well as it should mm. have been. Again, that's added to there. You get these kind of silly gimmicks. Mm. But these two would have a very, very long feud, which. Unfortunately for Kane, he gets saddled in with a lot of gimmicks and a lot of storylines that kind of start off well or mean well and then kind of get a bit weird and stupid. <laughs> Kane and X-Pac had a match and the stipulation was if X-Pac won, Tori had to spend the holidays with him. 
Oh, for fuck's yeah, sake. Yeah, genuinely. <laughs> yeah. So, X Pac. Oh, naturally. And naturally. then Tori fell in love with them and betrayed Kane. Like everyone does. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that one of the main reasons why we probably love this match so much is because if you watch the whole storyline and understand, like Kevin was saying, that Kane's been dicked over time and time and time again. To finally have like a feel good moment where Kane like fuck yeah fucking kill that little prick like destroy him and like him and Tori go off into the sunset together even though it didn't last it was amazing to have like a nice one moment, little happy yeah. ending for once because Kane has nothing but sad moments for him all like, the time you know, it's always just kind of has a sad ending for him and that's kind of why I guess he's such a sympathetic uh, figure I see see I didn't really realize that yeah mm. I think one of the most overwhelmingly requested matches for us to cover at least for you to see and we won't go through it blow by blow because it's a quite a big match it'd be a bit weird to go through it all but we certainly want to talk about the performance of Kane in the 2001 Royal Rumble which in terms of one match a guy solidifying his gimmick and showing off what he can do I think this is like you could just do how to Kane looking at this Royal Rumble yeah. match mm-hmm. in 2001 what were your thoughts on watching Kane's over one hour being in this match yeah god it was it was really long for him the poor mm-hmm. guy he did well he set the record for eliminations that year he eliminated 11 people I believe That's it amazing. was yeah I mean I kind of knew what to expect with this because when we first got 2k16 I played as Kane in a Royal Rumble match oh, yeah and I actually lasted about the same amount of, of time <laughs> I think you actually got the achievement for breaking yeah. the record on the game for <laughs> a number of eliminations yeah I thought it was really it was really awesome and great storytelling as well like he comes out when there's a celebrity in the ring Drew yeah. Carey who is now my next surefire pick for either President of the United mm. States <laughs> or at least you know House Representative yeah. I mean imagine it just makes sense to be Hall of Famer that's a science it's the way to go these days but when you've got Drew Carey in there and all of a sudden the fireworks go off and out comes Kane and JR just goes oh my god oh my god oh my god (laughs) if you'd never seen Kane before and that was your first introduction to him straight away you know this man is all business. Yeah. Cause like, you know, Drew's trying to give him money and like he's like he's like a big old pork chop and Kane's gonna he's gonna eat him and then kill him. <laughs> Other moments in that match which really stood out when he's been surrounded by all the nerds from the hardcore division, there's like six guys all beating him up, all ganging up on Kane, like taking him down like Argh! Yeah. And then he just manages to rally and he gets the bid and starts fucking smashing them over and over again. You really got behind Kane in this. Oh, I really did. It was it's such like a classic story though. It reminded me of like the end of Beauty and the Beast when the beast is like being <laughs> shot down by Garson and his, his hunks. And you're like, no, the beast. Um, and you know, he gets brought him down to one knee and it's sad. His body language is so good. So He's such a good performer. He isn't really he? is. And it's such a skill that yeah. you either, I think you either have it or you don't. Like, he just does it so There's well. There's so many wrestlers that don't wear masks and have their like entire body to work with that convey less emotion than Kane can do yeah. with just one arm exposed on him. Like. I wonder if that's partly why he's so good at it though, because he had to. Sami Zayn has that as well. Sami yeah. Zayn worked under a mask for yeah. most of his career, and he kind of uses the body and he you know, kind of gestures a bit more. It's not that Kane's over the top though. No, no, it's no not, not at all. Subtle. It's yeah. just the right amount. It's terrific. Like there's the moment in this match which like. Is there certain moments when you're when someone's getting into wrestling and it's just magic? And I think when Kane was all being beaten down and he was on his own and it looked like he was so helpless, and then the Undertaker came out yeah. and you just went, ah! Well, I called it first of all. Yeah. I knew that was going to happen. But his big brother comes out and he saves yes. him and they like work together. And I thought, oh man, there's just you know 
Moments like that make wrestling like just fucking brilliant. <laughs> that moment where they've cleared the ring and there's just the two of them left and they look at each other and they both just like put their hands on their hips like, what are we going to fucking do about this now? <laughs> Poor little Scotty too hearty comes <laughs> out. Like, <laughs> and it comes down right to the wire like Kane is the last one in there. Yeah. His hair has gone particularly <laughs> mad at the end. Worth noting as well, normally in these kind of matches, people will go out for periods of time and come back in. Kane is pretty much the entire hour he's there. He's, he's present, the like, yeah. yeah, constant presence. Because they had Roman break this record a few years ago. Roman Reigns, <laughs> he's vanished. Off yeah, the most like had a nice nap at the end. Of, like Roman Reigns, he broke the record. I'm like, really? Did he? Like he literally just random moments just popped over, eliminated someone, count. then went yeah. back to sleep. Like, but Kane <laughs> it was such a story. And yeah. the Royal Rumble 2001 is one of my all-time favorite matches, just because there's so many stories going into it. But like. I think at the end when Austin was there with the chair and even though Austin was the big good guy and you were just cheering him on like kind of please come on Kane I know you can do it and Austin just fucking him with the chair yeah. at the end and it's like and Kane like Jerry Lawler does such a great job here at the end I think when Kane is like he makes Kane out to be a monster even he's been in there for an hour he's like ah he won't even leave his feet yeah he won't <laughs> fall over I, I love that and Kane finally goes hey Austin like when all the momentum gets Kane over the top rope in the end and like Austin has a look at his face like he's just taking the biggest shit ever like, <laughs> <laughs> I love how difficult it is to get Kane to get off his feet I mm. love that and I say that fully aware that I've criticised people like Big Show before for never coming off their feet but there's a way to do it there's a exactly. difference there's, there's either I never leave my feet because I'm terrible and I can't leave my feet <laughs> or I never leave my feet because it's telling a story and it's making me out to be some sort of Goliath and then like, there's also we've got their money brother I ain't leaving my feet <laughs> <laughs> and Kane is in any of those but like Kane has managed to give himself longevity yeah. you know by you know, we mentioned him putting the knee out for taking the bumps mm. like he does do that and it does like, but it gives him a bit of length to his career it's Definitely. smart you know and the fact that it means so much more like in the Royal Rumble where they, they all gang up on him and they finally bring him down to his knees it's like seeing a lion captured yes. by yeah. keepers it's yeah. like you really like no he's finally been caught and yeah. oh it's heart wrenching I haven't seen those moments though that someone's been watching with Kane and Xbox and Kane and Taker and Kane and the Rumble is he like a completely different guy for you to the Kane which you've been watching on the modern show? Because I mean, it's not as if like, you know there's ever been moments really with modern Kane where it's like kind of holy shit, you know. I mean, were you surprised that he was this good? No, well, I'm always surprised when he does like yeah, I'm, yes and no. It's a really difficult question to answer because I wasn't surprised in some respects because I'm well aware that obviously he's Adam's favorite wrestler mm. and. Kane is often regarded as, you know, one of the longest standing, most iconic wrestlers. I figured there was a reason why he's such a merchandising, you know, powerhouse. But what did surprise me was how he throws out those moves every so often and his body language and his expressions, little things like that, which I think I just, I don't, I just really appreciate them so much. I don't think he can go now like he could back then. There's no, no there's no doubt about that. But I think what you'll always find is that if you've got anyone who was a fan of Kane growing up, that's like something you never outgrow. Because we got so many tweets where it's like, 13 years old, yada, 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 here's my Kane story, fan for life. I always remember when I was at WrestleMania 25 and the guy who sat in front of me didn't make a peep the whole fucking night. He sat there with his arms folded. He never stood up. He never raised his voice. He never cheered. He never booed. 
except one moment. It was the Money in the Bank ladder match. Kane was one of the guys in. It's just another guy. And there was one moment where Kane reached his hand up and put his fingertips on the briefcase. The guy stood up and went, Yeah! Yeah! And then when Kane got hit, he went, Fuck it. And he sat back down. <laughs> Not another peep the rest of the night. That was the man. That night as well included Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. And he was still like, Fuck it, Kane didn't win. I don't give a shit. So, so you, you will find, because of thinking of performances like this and because of... Kane's first three years were so good. Yeah. yeah. I think he's kind of got like the wrestling equivalent of tenure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do wonder if he could still do some of it still. He's in his fifties mm. now. But, I don't know. I mean, without maybe the, the hurricane runners and <laughs> jumping over he the He can top still convey the, the emotion. The body language, the emotion. I mean, he's a clever guy, Gun Jacobs. I'm sure he's capable of, of doing some of that still. I was going to say, do you actually see any of like the, your modern knowledge of Kane in any of this are there moments where you actually can recognise that it is him under the mask yeah I'd say yeah I can in bits less so when he's got the whole beard going on mm. I think well I always a moment from recent memory that stood out I remember when you and I watched it together Joe it was during the Brock Lesnar Seth Rollins feud Brock Lesnar broke Kane's ankle when Brock when Kane was trying to protect Seth and like they did the whole thing where Seth was like, you're useless, Kane. And Kane was like literally in tears, his ankle broken, kind of going. Yeah. And like, he still has that ability yeah. to do yeah. that, like that emotion. You can tell the wrestlers who've got that. Yeah. Mm. Just that extra level of acting or whatever yeah. you want to call it. I love it. Now, we've been talking about Kane being great and Kane being brilliant. And unfortunately, one of the reasons why Kane is probably as iconic and well-remembered as he is, is almost as much, I don't say almost as much, but definitely a lot for his less than stellar moments. The fact that the three of us are in this room be able to talk right now and I still have a girlfriend to do this podcast with is very strength and testament to, the, to, to our relationship, Joe, because we have just an hour ago watched the Katie Vick saga with yeah. Triple H and mm. Kane. Do you want to tell the people at home who maybe are getting into to Kane, Joe, what, who is Katie Vick? I mean, Katie Vick was a name you heard so much, right? Because yes. everyone kept saying, even when we first started saying, hey, we're going to do Hate to Wrestling, people were like, ha, Katie Vick. Even yeah. before you mentioned Kane. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to introduce my girlfriend to wrestling. <laughs> Katie Vick. Fun fact, I heard of Katie Vick before I heard of Shawn Michaels. For fuck's sake! Before I heard Thanks of... a lot, Twitter. You fucking priorities, man. Before I heard of X-Park, before I heard of Trish Stratus, before I heard of Kurt Hennig, Kurt Angle, uh, Daniel Bryan. Fucking hell. What, what I love about this is like when we finally sent him to watch this and when it re- the dawned on you that Katie Vick wasn't a wrestler or a mm. real person. That blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? Like, she's a sister Abigail kind of all of a sudden. Yeah. What the hell? So what happened with Katie Vick then, Joe? Oh, God. Do I have to relive this so soon after just having watched well, it? Well, you can tell Kane's version of events. Me and Adam could do Triple H's version of events keep me out of it (laughs) I've had enough I'm out of here (laughs) so okay Triple H comes out and he's all like Kane you may seem like a nice enough guy (laughs) (laughs) you know choke slamming your brother onto his dead mother's corpse you're grand and all but (laughs) but little does the audience know about your dark dark past the other dark dark past he's not referring to you know yeah burning anyone alive or or, his dark dark present he's referring to a time when Kane was a teenager and I can only assume that he was dressed in full demon Kane gear aged 14 when this happened according to to, 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 to Triple H's footage he definitely was you know Mm. sorry wearing a t-shirt saying big freaking machine yeah (laughs) is that a real Kane t-shirt yeah yeah oh man I thought it was just a 
um, joke when he <laughs> big fucking idiot. <laughs> so yeah, he comes out and he's all like, "When are you going to tell them about Katie Vick?" And uh, and Kane's like, "Oh God, no, not Katie Vick, obviously." Like we all are. And then he tells the story about Katie Vick. So what happened was Kane was a young teen and he was at a party and Katie Vick was there and she was drinking and she oh, asked. Can you imagine children? <laughs> she asked Kane to drive her home now at this point i thought oh shit this is going to be a horrible date rape story and it's going to be really upsetting and it's going to turn out that horrible. <laughs> heaven forbid heaven forbid storyline so yeah he drives her home well, he tries to drive her home and then something runs out into the road um i imagine his vision must be at least partially obscured by the oh, you missed the, the best part kane like in the ring cutting this promo kind of going the best line that kane in full kane mask and regalia has to say was I wasn't familiar with a stick shift, but <laughs> but Katie, you know, that was her car and I had to drive herself. Fucking yeah. hell. Easily manipulated, even from a very young age, clearly, yeah. into driving stick shift. <laughs> We've all been there. Consistent um, with the character, at least. <laughs> you will drive an automatic car like your brother. You will never use a stick shift. <laughs> so then, yeah, something runs out into the road. Kane swerves and crashes and he bro- he gets off lightly basically he only breaks his arm but Katie Vick is unfortunately immediately killed he ends the story there Triple H goes on to say yeah but you haven't told all of it though have you what else happened oh tonight on Unsolved Mysteries <laughs> and then out comes Triple H's version of events I guess the semen version of events there were beer cans everywhere there was semen fan in her body and Kane has to basically listen to Triple H go you're a necrophiliac, more or less. I mean... <sighs> Jesus. Now, I'll be the first one to say, we've co- we covered the Attitude Era, right? And there's a lot of grisly fucking shit mm. along the way. And they never went there. No. They never went because there. Because why would you? It's wrestling. Why would you ever consider necrophilia being involved anywhere near an angle? It's an odd build-up, though. He doesn't straight away go to the necrophilia thing. He says, rumours were you were drinking at that party as well. So the clear implication there is you must have been drunk driving, yeah. right? You weren't safe to drive. And then he goes on to say, you know, the people inspected her dead body. They found your semen. Which is a strange word to hear in wrestling. <laughs> That is not a word I don't think I'd heard before, like, you know, on wrestling, like, semen, yeah. So at that point, I thought, oh, my theory is right, he's a date rapist. Mm. Gross. No. Then Triple H goes on to say, but was the semen there from before she died or after? Triple H has obviously got the CSI Miami box set. It is is 2002, like, you know. (laughs) You know, he's just fucking enthralled by that shit, you know, (laughs) just obsessed with semen and DNA and all that. And then next week, he comes out and he's all like, oh, I've got this video. Oh, secret it. footage. Yeah, secret mm. footage of, of, of Kane. And it's shocking. And you'll never love Kane again when you see how horrific it is. And out comes Triple H dressed as very young Kane in jeans, wearing big red machine t-shirt. And <laughs> how long did you think it was actually Kane for? A full minute. Oh, no. I really did think this was casual Kane. <laughs> for me, for me, he lost me when he opened the door and went, it's me, Kane. <laughs> 
<laughs> totally not Triple H in a mess. <laughs> so he goes over this coffin and there's this weird fake looking lady in the, the coffin, obviously Katie Vick. In a cheerleader yeah. outfit. In a cheerleader outfit. So everything about this is weird. Yeah, I'm going to take umbrage with that alone, Joe. So how old is Kane supposed to be here and Katie Vick? Katie Vick, they're meant to be a young kid, so I think Kane might be like 19, 20. Like seniors or something. Yeah, they? Like, they, right. they, they did give a date for this on the... They sure did. <laughs> My birthday. Oh, oh no! no! My second birthday. I was turning two years old as the Katie Vick segment oh, aired. Yeah. So uh, Triple H, obviously, a man who knows his dates quite well, mm. takes off all his clothes then. He does actually say... Literally uh, all except for a little white thong. Mm. I think the camera tries to avoid his white thong, but mm. they capture his white thong. Yeah. He does say, like, Ooh, I'm, I'm kind of feeling a bit stiff here myself. I'm going to call box right now. He did not have an erection. No, he didn't. I was looking for it. <laughs> I was looking for it as well, all right? Because I knew that line was coming. Like, I'm going to, you know. Yeah. You, know when you, you know when you know the gimmick is coming and you just look at the penis the whole segment long? You see, now, Undertaker and Kane were very good actors. And if they were doing the segment, they would have actually given themselves a full hard on. They would have done it hard. Yeah. yeah. Triple H hasn't got that acting ability, though. He's, he's just amateur. So uh, he decides to have sex with the mannequin. And then uh, the mannequin's brains come out. Yeah. He screws yeah. her brains out. He screws her brains out and squishes the brains and throws them into the camera. And it's horrifying. By the way, when he's having sex with Katie Vick, dead body, it cuts away to this montage of like floating candles and shit. And you can hear him fucking her yeah. in the background. That's compromise with Vince McMahon is what that is. You can is. literally hear, like, if you listen really carefully, you can hear Vince giggling. I think. <laughs> Vince McMahon's like, Vince, what are we going to do? WCW's closed down, ratings are sagging, Rock and Austin have left, no one likes wrestling anymore. I've got an idea. We're going to have Triple H have sex with a girl. But we're going to show it. Everything. <laughs> Pure Dennis Reynolds. And then they got to the compromise. We'll show close-ups of the candles. She can be dead, I guess. Fine, but I want to hear the noises. I want to hear them screw. And then you have Triple H with... Um, is this our Grunt of the Night? Absolutely. Grunt of the Century, perhaps. It's so good. Yeah, what a sick freak. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? I have no idea. I think that noise is just Dean Ambrose as a noise. <laughs> yeah. Do you reckon that Triple H was made to do this segment from Vince McMahon? In, he was like, if you want to marry my daughter, you're going to really fucking work for it, mate. you got to fight her seven evil exes and then have sex with this mannequin <laughs> on live TV. What were your thoughts on that segment, Joe? What do you think they were, Kevin? Were you? I mean, were you shocked to see this? I mean, because were you, I mean, you've seen some of the worst shit, obviously, so far. I mean, rant just like, how can this happen? Do you think they would have stooped this low? Do you think this was above them or sorry, beneath them? I should say. I mean, did it surprise you that yeah, they did a necrophilia thing? I am not. Ah, oh, I mean, I'm not surprised. In fact, if anything, I'm surprised they didn't take it further. <laughs> I was surprised that you could hear all the noises. Yeah. But honestly, I thought it was going to turn out that Kane legit did all this. Instead, it just turns out Triple H had sex with a mannequin, which isn't so bad. Next week, Triple H should come out and beat up the mannequin on TV. Oh. Like, And they did sell the mannequin on an auction on WBAuction.com. Uh. And it did come with, apparently, because I think it was WrestleCraft.com, they bought it at the time because like, it was such a bad segment. But it, all the stuff you get on the auction side comes with a certificate of authenticity, mm. which was signed by Linda McMahon. So Linda oh. McMahon had to get the mannequin that Triple H had fucked 
And right, that's, that's no, that is definitely my son-in-law. Good, old, <laughs> good job. I'm I'm proud of this company. Now, Adam, for you, I know you had stopped watching at this point, mm. hadn't you? <laughs> Was that why? No, no, I, I stopped watching for many reasons, but I still caught draft of this when uh, when it happened. It's still like came through whispers like oh you heard what Kane's been up to on wrestling semen it was, it was like big news it was like oh yeah Kane's a good guy now and oh yeah Kane's got a new mask where you can see his mouth through it and his mouth's not burnt at all and it's like oh yeah and Kane fucked this dead woman in a coffin like these little glimpses of like wrestling news I was catching every now and then there's kind of moments when you kind of hear something like what this ha- oh I gotta go watch again because there was only one month I stopped watching wrestling and then I heard like Shawn Michaels won the belt I'm like oh, I have to go so I gotta watch gotta watch yeah. again gotta watch again I don't think Kane having sex with a. No. This a, reaffirmed my decision to st- take a break from wrestling yeah. once you're out you're out did it make you very angry and upset to see kind of a, your hero wrestler like treated like that in the storyline no not at the time because I was so apathetic towards wrestling as a whole back then it was sort of like oh that's a shame but I wasn't particularly impassioned or upset about it how do you think that child you would have reacted if he'd seen that I would have been so like not upset because like obviously child me doesn't have the same values isn't it isn't as offended by things like I am but I'd still be really weirded out and it would probably put me up like I imagine I'd like take a week off of playing with my Kane toys because like. I don't think you can't watch that and kind of go oh I want Kane to get his revenge on Triple no. H I just don't want this not to happen yeah like, you know it was weird that it just turned out to be Triple H being a dick though because I did assume when I heard all about like Katie Vick being what, what did you think Katie Vick was when you when you first first heard about it I had heard rumours that there was something to do with necrophilia mm-hmm. um, I didn't know Triple H was involved at all yeah. like that was completely a mist from anything I'd like heard at all about it so I assumed when we started watching this segment that it would turn out that Kane did literally rape a dead body isn't that weird how like this is one of the big blemishes on Kane's career but not, not Triple, Triple H's, H's. That, I yeah. don't get that at all people yeah. always point this going to go oh WWE was fucked back then or god Kane had shitty story but no one ever goes geez Triple H was a fucking no, th- idiot he was the one is... in the coffin yeah, yeah. It wasn't Kane. I know he said it was me, Kane, <laughs> but it was Triple H. You can tell from the big nose and the chin. <laughs> the mask is literally like yeah. kind of barely covering. <laughs> I mean, you had start watching Adam obviously at this point, but I mean, like, were there any kind of particular moments? Because we're going away now from classic Kane into <laughs> other Kane, for yeah. lack of a better term. What were the Kane moments for you, I guess. You know, um, it was up. things like he's tag teamed with RVD and they make weed jokes and stuff. The Katie Vick thing, and then the unmasking and the huge tidal wave of disappointment. Because that was one of the few, the first things, like bits of wrestling news I heard that made me really go like, "What? <laughs> they did what to Kane?" And I, I like did go out of my way to look it up and like find it and see it, and then, oh, the, the feeling of like underwhelm and like disappointment and because with the unmasking it's obviously strange for you Joe because obviously Kane was wasn't masked when he first started seeing it but when you and I were first watching wrestling Kane was you know the mask and all you knew was there was a fire horribly disfigured they had done like one or two things before where like you know Vince and his bad guys had like you know taken a picture of Kane without his mask and he was like oh we're gonna show everyone this picture and Kane was like oh god no and they're like oh Jesus he's fucking hideous he's disfigured so they were all lying yeah well, they spent literally like six years building up that Kane has a disfigured face I mean 
Did you always want to know what King was like under the mask? No, I I never. Well, like my I remember my, a friend of mine had a, oh god yeah a yeah limited edition figurine of Kane that had a removable mask, and this was back way before he'd unmasked. And I remember being like really cautious about it because I was like. I don't want to see Kane on Mass, like, because he's Kane and it's, like, awesome. I don't want to see his gross face. I don't know if people say that it, the reason why they never masked Kane is because Kane was played by multiple different guys. Yep, I, I remember that having that theory. That was a big schoolyard yeah. theory that Kane was played by different guys <laughs> and the guy who debuted was not the same as the guy who, like, you know, feuded with, with x Fox. It's so clear, though, watching it back, it's literally it's just definitely the him. same obviously, could not, yeah. obviously Why not wouldn't be. it be? Yeah. <laughs> Listen to them grunts, like, you know, a grunty man is but I mean we got to talk about the unmasking because it was like one of the biggest moments that they've built up to and it came out of the feud with Triple H when Kane finally unmasked it was in Madison Square Garden which is WWE's like kind of big home base it's the big fucking arena in New York City that's where WWF started it's its home bed so if something historic happens it has to happen in Madison Square Garden Kane unmasking pulling off that mask what were you expecting to see because, I mean, were you confused to hear that he was meant to be scarred and burned up all along? Yeah, I mean, I heard that quite early on into uh, watching wrestling. When I first, I think, saw Kane, and then you probably told me then that he was supposed to be horribly burned. I was like, well, that makes no sense. He clearly isn't horribly burned. Here's a very nice-looking gentleman in a suit. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I expected when he took his mask off to see corporate cane like yeah. just literally him with his short hair and his nice face and... we got something different instead we get I mean how would you best describe this when Kane removes his mask and his hair as well it looks like you know in Mario Kart when you get the uh, the squid ink you in the face <laughs> like, he's got black mush all over his eyes like. you know what it looks like to me it looks like They've turned him around and they haven't decided yet whether or not they're going to have him be burned. Yeah, no, genuinely, I think that's right. Yeah. It's like the kind of, maybe, no. Can we get away mm. with face paint and prosthetics? I heard rumours in 2000, I remember hearing rumours saying that they wanted to do an unmasking of Kane and they had all they were going to do these prosthetics and special effects because someone in WCW had been doing it at the time. They had like this, like, oh, I've been horribly disfigured. Look mm. at this weird scar thing. And then apparently they decided against it because they would fall off in the match or they didn't have makeup <laughs> that would last the whole match. Yeah. So obviously when they get to this point, they're kind of still deciding. And they have him a bit of a mush on his face. And what ended up becoming the story was that Kane had the mask on for so long and never took it off. That what you saw was the filth of the fact that Kane had never taken off his oh, mask. Oh, that's cool. That's why he looked like that. And his hair was all weirded up like that. Because, yeah, he obviously had, you know, he had his hair burnt in the fire. But it was all superficial burns. So, was the unmasking disappointing for you, Adam? Christ, yes. Unbelievably disappointing. What did you expect? I well, I, I didn't expect them to do it. I think the, the disappointment came from the fact that they actually did do it. Because there's a swerve, isn't there, when they do it? Because he's almost about to take it off, and then I can't remember. It's like Sean Michaels jumps in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think no, they won't actually do it. But like, because any rational person would know that Glenn Jacobs has not got a burnt face. Mm. So if they do do the unmasking at some point, they're gonna either have a really shitty gimmick face or it's just gonna be some regular dude. So just don't do it. Like, don't waste your time on either of those options. The likelihood of WWE hiring an actually disfigured person 
never gonna happen. No, never. No. Even though it would be awesome. And the only way they could have done it satisfyingly, I think, for a Kane fan, would to be like he takes his mask off and he is like a monster. And like you know, you look yeah. at him and you go, ah, like you're horrified. He pulls his skin off. But it's like, just this guy with like ink on his face and this weird little patch of curly hair. Like I think it was just really awkward more than anything. Now what I think is so interesting about this is that I did two tweets yesterday. One was coolest Kane moment. Hashtag hey to Kane. The other one was lamest K moment. Hashtag hey to Kane. And the only one that was consistently on both, like loads of times lamest, loads of times coolest, was the unmasking. Huh. We have we have people go, that was so lame. It was so disappointing. And I have people kind of going, oh my god, like the distortion they did on the camera, the zoom in. I was like, holy fuck, man. He's so scary. I think it might be a generational thing, like Maybe. depending on what generation of wrestling you were into. Like Billy Keeble, he loves Kane post unmasking. He thinks that is greatest Kane ever. Really? So yeah, I think that he's not alone in that theory. Either, I, he like. is a completely different character at this point, mm. though, yeah. because the next thing we watch a pivotal moment. I mean, this is the Kane we're talking about now, Joe, which would have been when Kane took on Shane McMahon. Mm. You know, the guy who sits down in a black T-shirt and he's like, "Hello, Shane." <laughs> he, he's, he's not kind of a quiet, you know, dude anymore. He's this evil sociopath he's kind of meant to be like a scary monster from a movie what point does he stop using the voice thing oh he way back in 1999 he literally started saying like hi I'm Kane there you go didn't ever explain no okay and had he stopped using powers at this point as well? Yeah, he was. I mean, he had. He was more like I like gasoline, and I was yeah. like, you know, he, he. We did the thing with Shane. He literally poured <laughs> the gasoline inside yeah, of a dumpster. Yeah, he's got magic powers. What the fuck? No, he's got a match now, mate. Is what he's got. <laughs> the know? mask was the source of yes. his powers. Yeah, like yeah. the mask, just like the mask <laughs> in the mask. So something we had to watch because it's very pivotal and it's very very important was Jim Ross interviewing Kane about. His unmasking, because Kane had put on the towel over his face, and he's like, "I'm hideous. No one look at me." And Jr. is like, well, "What I see here is someone who's obviously got a lot of emotional damage, but you got no scars, Kane." And Kane is like, "You're like the doctors. The doctors I had to hurt." Mm. Mm. Is that a good retcon? <laughs> no. No, it's not, is it? It's simply a f- one of the many cases of WB kind of going, Look, if you remember back that long, you're a fucking loser. <laughs> if, if you remember back that long, we'll tell everyone you watch wrestling. How would you like that? <laughs> I think it could have been done well. JR did a great job. With oh, that. yeah, he was he, so nice to Kane. Yeah, like. and he generally genuinely tears up at one point that mm. like you see welling in his eyes I love the bit that you do that he does kind of go you know people aren't gonna Kane's like obsessed with people laughing at him mm. making fun of him JR does this moment where he's like you know no one's gonna laugh at you we've all supported you your whole career you just hear this kind of applause starts building up you know the cl- everyone starts clapping their hands going mm. yeah we fucking love Kane like you know we'll support you through all this and then please uh, turn face again please <laughs> please do and then uh, for his troubles he sets Jim Ross on fire. Yeah. Did you expect to see good old JR get lit up like that? Nope. He set his bum on fire. Yeah. yeah. That's a... If we didn't already give out a grunt of the night, that's another one right there. Yeah. Ah! 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 And Steve Austin's there going, Oh, stop it! Don't you set him on fire! Oh, he's done it. Yeah, Put him out now, come on! That was very strange, having Steve Austin then come out to the ring. Mm-hmm. Not this entirely <laughs> yeah. different city. It's a weird background. one to explain to new fans, because I had to try and explain to Joe, Adam, about how if something is happening on the screen, 
if you turn to the camera, automatically it's like a Skype call. Pretty much, yeah. You can interact and hear everyone in the audience mm-hmm. in the arena in I mean, the ring. it's amazing the technology WWE had back then. For yeah. decades now, yeah. yeah. It's amazing that they can do that, and yet they don't have a proper search feature on the network. It's uh, <laughs> quite incredible. Like, bring back some of those guys in 2003, you know? About the segment, I, I mean, I, like I said, I think it could have been done well. But... The fact that, I don't know, they had this kind of a whole emotional trauma and kind of an interesting angle, I think, of the idea that Kane did spend his entire life thinking he was horribly disfigured. So he's just like, I am burnt, I'm a monster. Which, I mean, it's not impossible that that could happen. I mean, it's perfectly plausible that someone could have a mental health condition, which means that they do genuinely think they're horribly, horribly burned. Especially if you went through that as a child. Yeah. But the way they did it in that interview with Kane with the little shit towel on his head... (laughs) looking so silly sounding so silly I don't know it just didn't work as well as it, I think it could have done what are your general feelings having watched you know we're going to watch obviously now Kane and Shawn Michaels from Unforgiven 2004 you've obviously seen a bit of this Kane when he was shooting with Shane McMahon and just some of the kind of chaos that he was causing it's a completely different character this bald Kane with no eyebrows who is like he's not this quiet guy he's a guy who's talking about how much I love suffering mm. and He's completely different. Yeah. Where did that come from? It literally seemed to be once what he lost his mask and he becomes this dick. I think it was just his idea to like revamp him. Yeah. You know, because think... he had gotten a bit stale. Around the time when Katie Vick was happening, I remember distinctly being sick of Kane because they had done loads of lame stuff with him, like him trying to be kind of like, they broke his kind of mystique too much. Like you mentioned him, he did this segment with Rob Van Damme making jokes about weed. It's like, hey, I found a smelly skunk in my basement this weekend. Dude, I found a smelly skunk as well. I I'm totally sorry. smoked that. If like. they didn't call their tag team relationship thing, blaze it. <laughs> <laughs> I am furious. <laughs> Missed opportunities. Yeah. The think the moment for me when I knew that Kane needed to be revamped was when he was reading... It was like a Playboy or a Divas magazine. Oh. Do you remember? Tell, <laughs> tell Joe. Go on, Adam. You want... Yeah, I'm not doing Kane that. Kane sat backstage looking at a nice Playboy. Like, you know, doing the thing where you turn it sideways. Whoa. This was centerfold of the month, huh? RVD comes in and is like, what are you doing? And Kane's like, hey, man, just because my face is burnt doesn't mean the rest of me is. <laughs> Points down at his package. And they did things like him doing Booker T's Spinneroonie and be yeah. like, freaks are cool, man. And it's oh, like... Oh, Jesus. It stopped being kind of people rallying behind this figure and became like, hey, guys. It became like Poochie, like, yeah. you know, just trying too hard. They could have saved it with the unmasking. I think they could have done it well. If they'd done the whole sympathetic monster cane, you know, who's been mm. manipulated his whole life. If they'd done the whole unmasking thing and it turned out that, you know, he had this emotional trauma, mm-hmm. thought he was horribly disfigured, it could have been a real sad, touching moment. Yeah, it could where have been. been like, oh, that's, that's horrible. You know, he's this horrible, abused man. And we all think he's a nasty monster, but actually he's gone through this hardship. It could have been a great face gimmick. I think instead they just decided, let's go with full evil, like... There was a horror movie that came out called Cena Evil where Kane was like basically being Kane in it. Like it was Kane the first... was in it. Yeah, no, it was mm-hmm. the first Cena Evil. Cena Evil. Heard of that film? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Kane. He's in I've that. I've not seen it. I've heard of it. Yeah, no, that was one of the first WWE movies, and the I idea was see that it. the best thing is I'll show you the picture of we'll put it up on the Twitter of uh, Kane attending the premiere in his gimmick outfit, like <laughs> oh no top on him, like here I am, like you know. Also, as well in that movie, for some reason, apparently the director came out and said that Vince McMahon insisted that they had write in a line where they said that Kane has like a three foot penis yeah don't know why Vince Vince McMahon that's just it but Kane for better or worse became this different character what do you think he looks like with the 
half-shaved head, the no eyebrows, the weird eyes, the, the laughing, the, <laughs> the ah, you know, I don't know. He definitely looks scary, I think. Uncle Fester is what yeah. I was yeah. like. I didn't find him scary. I remember distinctly not liking yeah. him at this point. But he did do, looking back now, f- comparing to, to modern product, Kane was doing some fucking awful shit, like yeah. electrocuting testicles... And uh, the quote from the star of this match with him and uh, Shawn Michaels from Unforgiven, I will feast on the fear of the innocent, for that is the sweetest taste of them all. He's kind of jumped the shark a bit here, I think. (laughs) Yeah. And of course, Kane has had many relationships, but this one here, which he has during his feud with Shawn Michaels, is Kane and Lita with their demonic marriage. You are now my property. My favourite piece of property. And I can do with you what I want. Yep. What do you think of Kane uh, being the uh, owner of Lisa? I remember when Kane was a poor, abused man. You know, sympathetic. <laughs> teamed I up with The Undertaker. hated this whole angle. I oh, think this God. is actually worse than Katie Vick in terms yeah, of, of so. content. Yeah, yeah. Like, because there's a, there's a real woman who is like... Being an established put through, wrestler. An established wrestler who has had to put up with some muck in terms of storylines before this already. Mm. You just don't need to bring in pregnant storylines. It damages Kane as well. Yeah. It does. Like going forward and looking back, it makes him seem like a complete tool. And as corporate Kane today, who is supposed to be at least a little bit sympathetic, all yeah. this shit. Yeah, I think like when you look back at these moments, it's kind of like, can you genuinely expect us to cheer for this man when I kind of go, six months ago, oh Jesus, we had an angle where he like essentially tricked a woman into marrying him and then raped her and made her pregnant. It's like, you will give birth to my demon seed. Yeah. Now... We didn't go to watch this match because of the leader storyline. I came to watch this match because I like showing Joe Shawn Michaels matches. Because Shawn Michaels <laughs> can get the best out of anyone. And honestly, Kane, in terms of standout matches, it's a fucking slim list it's until you get many. past it. I didn't yeah. want to do just Attitude Era matches. Mm. But it was slim pickings. Everyone was just like, uh, Royal Rumble 2001. I was like, okay, non-Attitude Era matches. And everyone just said... Uh, 2002 late 2001 you know it's like yeah it doesn't count is it that he hasn't had any good matches in the last 10 years I wouldn't say that he hasn't had any good matches I'd say it's more just that like I don't know no one really thinks of specific matches with Kane it is more like sort of blocks of time like segments or yeah, feuds he's more like, about the, 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 the goofs and the chicanery the story. Than, and then the actual in-ring action yeah. itself is Kane scary here Yes, I think so. Out of all the Kings that you have seen, where would this one rank? Because for me, I think this is worst Kane. Billy thinks it's best Kane. Mm. This is my least favourite Kane. Well, it depends what you're judging it on. I think it's the scariest Kane. Mm. Mm. What enjoyability, I guess, to well, watch. Well, worst Kane. <laughs> I don't like scary Kane. I, I like sweet Kane with the mask and mm. in Royal Rumble where he's mm. being taken down. It's sad. Can't, we showed Joe uh, Kane smashing open the uh, oh, the claw machine, claw machine, yeah. helping the little nice. kids. So, so sweet, like. Oh, remember that before he raped a woman? Yeah, oh. well, she is his property, according to. There you go, then. Fucking hell! So Shawn Michaels is signed to this match, and uh, Kane comes out, literally dragging his wife, and yeah. it cuts to Shawn Michaels, who, for lack of a better term, does a face. <laughs> he sees Kane dragging out his wife who's pregnant and he just goes oh, I don't like that you know Shawn Michaels obviously not approving of what's going on what's here. weird as well is that Matt Hardy is somehow involved in that I guess Lita is in love with him yes. yeah, um, Matt Hardy is that guy from the delete videos he is yes, yes. Uh, Lita's marriage was put up on the line in a match 
against Matt Hardy, Kane and Matt Hardy. So wait, she's married to what Kane at this point? Yeah, but so the only reason she's married to Kane is because Kane beat Matt Hardy in a match where if Matt lost, Kane got to marry Leah. Leah had to marry Kane. Why? Why? How, how is Matt Hardy qualified to? Uh... Well, that's how it's done, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, me and Adam were going to have a match later, so I mean, there's a good chance, not a, gr- a, g- a 60% chance. No, no, no offense, mate. Like, no, but I reckon not... I can take oh, you, yeah. and uh, then I'll win the right to marry you. Is that not how? Yeah. And if I win, then the status quo just remains. Like you know, if Matt Hardy would have won. That's just the way it is. Like maybe Shawn Michaels will pull a face. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's how marriage works. I've always assumed. But like, who did Lita agree to this? She agreed to it because Kane basically threatened to kill Matt if she didn't agree to it. Mm. It's right. wrestling. Kane is I'm vicious. Just, it, yeah. Why didn't she just be like, no, fuck this, I'm calling the police. Because I think in wrestling, once it's in, 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 as Cesaro would say, once it's in between these four ropes, anything goes. Well, <laughs> once this happens, she becomes completely fucking useless. This is Lita, bear in yeah. mind. Yeah, but she's got her hand on her stomach. She's like, all the time. you know. She's got what her hand on her stomach. You know? It's just so strange seeing her dragged around yeah. by Kane. Yeah, that's really unfair. Like, I know he's a big guy, but her character, from what I can tell, has always been brave, doesn't yeah. take any yeah. shit, fights men. Yeah, it's true. And it's it's I find this a very uncomfortable storyline, to be honest. It's fucking weird. Really, really weird. Because Lita can't make this thing work. And I mean, there's weird things as well. Like, you got Kane in this match hiding behind his pregnant wife. Yeah. Like, who are you? You're meant to be a monster all yeah. of a sudden, you know? You do get some great fucking psychology in this Shawn Michaels knows that Kane is this big guy and all that Michaels is always trying to do he does all these moves where he's like literally like last bit of energy bam gives him a big punch and like falls over doing it Kane will never leave his feet I fucking love that Kane as well has a little of his ridiculously athletic moves did you see his big leg drop he did in this oh my yes. god the height whoa he got like full Kane height yeah that vert amazing from standing like. yeah JR and Jerry are like kind of oh they got big feet Jim Ross claims he's got size 18 feet fucking hell oh I don't think that's real somehow <laughs> and uh, Jerry Law is like ah you know what they say if he's got big feet and Jim Ross just goes big socks <laughs> End of discussion. Shut up, Jerry Lawler. Shawn Michaels uh, wins gloop of the night in this one. Do you see all his spit shots? Yeah, he gets punched. Gross. Love it. Love it indeed. Um, HBK does an amazing job making Kane look like a, a monster here. And mm. I do love there's a moment where Kane gets knocked down, Shawn gets knocked down, Kane sits up, and Shawn does his little kip, kip up, up at the yeah, same time cool. as well. And Kane, like, He's got, for a man who does a lot of punches and strikes, and there's a lot of wrestlers who do lots of punches and strikes, but he does a good punch and mm. a good kick. Like, there's a point where Michaels is going for sweet chin music and Kane just, like, fucking kicks his head mm. off. Like, he's got a real, like, force behind his moves. You know, you do feel like he's got a bit of power in there. Mm. I must say, I really enjoyed this match. It was the one that was a bit surprising for me in terms of, like, Kane having a bit of uh, pace in him, mm-hmm. doing this match with Shawn Michaels, where it wasn't all just big moves. There was a bit of psychology going on there. I did like it. And the sequence at the end, where you've got uh, Kane going for the choke slam and Michael's reversing it and then Michael's just kicking him in the face and then quickly rolling over and getting him in this special pin because Kane is obviously such a big monster. He has to be pinned this way. I think if everyone treated Kane the way Shawn Michaels does here, when you've got a wrestler who's like kind of, you're special and we need to make that apparent in this match. I think a problem with Kane is that he's wrestled so much and so few wrestlers have done that for him. A lot of wrestlers have actually made Kane look less than stellar, I think, Mm -hmm. in a lot of those matches. Roman Reigns 
made Kane look like a fucking twerp, I think. Mm, yeah. He squashed Kane so many times in the last few years. And I think it doesn't take a lot to make a guy look a bit special. Yeah. Give him his fucking little bit of a moment in the sun here. I really like this match though. Sean picking up the win here. What did you think, Joe? I gave it three stars. Really? Yeah, I didn't find it that good. I mean, yeah, I agree that you're right. Shawn Michaels does bring out the best in Kane. But that shit with Lita, I can't... Mm. Honestly, it tarnishes it so much. At one point, um, Kane gets beaten up and Jerry Lawler says... I'm sorry, but Jerry Lawler literally does bring down the rating of my matches. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. He says, Kane won't feel too frisky after that. Which he is literally referring to the rape of a pregnant yes. woman. Yeah, yeah. But Kane won't feel too frisky. It's just, oh. Uh... This does get worse. This storyline. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, what happens after this is that um, Kane does has a little bit of a face turn because what happens is is that Lita's kind of she gets picked on by like Trish Stratus and some of these other um, female wrestlers. Like, haha, Kane's your husband. He's gross. Haha, you've been horribly raped. Yeah. <laughs> All women hate each other, dog. And so we have Kane then is kind of like rushes to Lita's defense. And he starts defending her and like he beats up like Tristratus's guys who she has going after Lita and all this stuff. So you have this moment where the two of them start to like have a bit of a bond. And then comes the point where they realize, hang on a minute, we've got a pregnant Lita here who's not actually pregnant and we're running out of prosthetics. We're going to have to try and uh, no. wrap this up no, somewhere. No, don't, don't, so don't, no. there was a wrestler named Gene Snitsky who no. in his debut match, they did an angle where he accidentally, no. he hit Kane with no. a chair and Kane fell onto no. Lita and Lita had no. a miscarriage. No! Yeah. And the worst thing about that was that Gene Snitsky became a heel after that and he came out and his catchphrase was, it wasn't my fault. And his music even would start off going, it wasn't my fault. It's like, oh, here he comes, that guy, pretending like he didn't cause a miscarriage. You did, oh boo. As a quick side note to just sort of really hammer home the quality of the writing here, a couple of weeks after that, Lita's in the ring, like doing a really heartfelt promo about everything that's happened to her. Lost my baby, so on and so forth. Snitsky comes out with a baby in his arms, like you can hear. He puts the microphone, you can hear it like gurgling and stuff. And he's like, "Hey, look, Lita, I've got a baby. You don't have a baby, do you?" And he's like, "Did your baby have a name?" He's, and it's like, "You it's can't have this baby. So it's inappropriate." My... And it goes from being so really dark and uncomfortable to suddenly Snitsky punting the baby into the crowd, like he just. Kicks it straight and like like a football. Yeah. So like Kane, I think what's worth noting with Kane, for all the amazing moments he has, he has just been roped into some utter shite over the years. I think a lot of this is to do with the fact that Vincent Cove always viewed him as like he's our monster, so we can do all these crazy horror movie angles and you know what? That's such a boring 2D way of looking yeah, at it. It is. And I, I kind of I regret the fact that when Kane had this extra chance and he got rid of the mask and he was in fucking great shape as oh, well. Yeah. Looking like a fucking beast, you know, he was wrestling with no shirt on for many years. And I think they kind of wasted him a bit. Mm. He had his peak here in many ways. He was, you know, not too old. He could still do all the Kane stuff. He was given a chance to finally do promos. And anyone thinks that this time, they think miscarriage with Lita, Katie Vick. Mm-hmm. That's all they think of Kane from it's this era. It's so hard as well because, like, like you were saying earlier, Adam, Kane's whole thing is like he's good at the storytelling and the performing and less of the wrestling. Mm-hmm. And okay, yeah, he's had some okay 
wrestling matches, I guess. But when the stories are this fucking yeah. shit, you got nothing What's to hang got? your hat on. Yeah. There. yeah, you know, he's tried his best with what he's given, which is nothing. And you, you kind of have a lot of times of that with Kane. I mean, there's so many lame. Ones. I mean. Team Hell No was such awesome. a revelation. The reason why that was so great is because that was probably the first time in, God, it must have felt like years when it was like, God, yes, Kane is funny and yeah. personable and a great storyteller. What a waste, and, all those years. Yeah. Not taking advantage of that. Such a drought. Because just before he did Team Hell No, he was evil demon Kane feuding with John oh, Cena no. when he told John Cena to <laughs> embrace the hate, John. I hate everyone, so you should too. <laughs> Cena made out with Zack Ryder's girlfriend and then Kane appears on the Titan Tron like, wow, John, I thought I was sick. But not even I would stoop that low to yeah. make out with your best friend's girl. So yeah, I mean, he obviously feels strongly about that. Like he will, of course, you know, electrocute a man's testicles. <laughs> he will tombstone an old woman. He will set people on fire. Yeah. I ain't touching no guy's girl though. Okay, he's got a bro code. Not unless can't... I force her to marry me first. <laughs> <laughs> then of course she's her property. I mean, I won the match fair and square. Yeah. Uh, you can read the contract. You know. I kind of feel like I'm really glad that you saw Team Hell No and you did get to see Kane having some fun moments with the Authority and Seth Rollins because I think that a lot of people have a real negative opinion of Kane. Mm. I think if you ask a lot of people, they're like, oh, fucking Kane, like, mm. you know, oh, boring man. He's like fucking... another big show. Like, yeah. yeah. And I, I That's hate shocking to it me. Is. And I hope that you have, through this, managed to gain... I mean, were you surprised to see he had this backstory? Or was it expected that you had he had all this around him? I knew he had a backstory because I obviously when we started this podcast, I was well aware that it was Kane and the Undertaker that were the kind of the main two weird, fucking, extensive backstories. Mm. But I didn't think they would be good. It's, mm. like, it's like an interest. I know it's silly, but it is like a genuinely intriguing story that they gave him. What is it that makes Kane your favorite wrestler, Adam? Oh, I'd be lying if I said that nostalgia wasn't a part of it. Because, you know, a lot of his stuff doesn't hold up. Like, even his big feud with The Undertaker, a lot of that's crap. Yeah. And, you know, you really have to sort of sit through a lot of garbage to get to all the golden moments of Kane. But it's just that he was such, an, and still is, like, one of the most unique characters you've ever had in wrestling. Mm -hmm. Like, how many people have had that look and that story and that sort of mysticism surrounding them? And has been through, like, the whole gamut of characters over his career. He's always been Kane, but he's done, like, ridiculous over-the-top evil Kane. He's done goofy, like, I can have a good time. He can do Kane, everything. Like... He can do a bit of comedy. He can do a bit of drama. You mean you can feel sympathy for the guy. You can have a laugh at his expense. But you, you can know? be terrified of him yeah, as well. Yeah, I, like... I think that he... That's a real important thing about Kane, is the fact that he has that range. And I think the most important thing, before we, you know, wrap up and get into our tweets... Glenn Jacobs the man. Do you know much about Kane IRL? All I know is that he's a genuinely clever guy. I don't know what evidence there is for that. I just know that he is considered... I, like, there was an interview with someone, I can't remember who it was, it was a table for three or something, where someone was asked who they think is the cleverest person in wrestling, and they said, oh, it's known throughout WWE, Glenn Jacobs, by far and away the smartest guy in wrestling. Kane is, like, literally, the he is the smartest guy. Like, Rick, Mick Foley wrote in his book about how him and Kane used to, like, trade... Because Foley loves the American Revolution, and they used to trade books about... You know, histor history books about stuff about the American Revolution and politics at the time. Daniel Bryan, who's obviously, you know, big into his politics and stuff as well. Apparently, like, him and Kane, they used to have these long discussions about it. Kane's not just, like, a, a for-show smart guys and guy reading a few books or something like that Kane does actually have almost a life outside of wrestling that revolves around 
his interests. He is massively into economics. Isn't that what his degree is in? Yeah, he's um, kind of like a Ron Swanson in a way that he know <laughs> he knows loads about economics and he believes in small government. He's apparently thought about running for office on many occasions. Wow. He's really actively involved in the community. I think it's Austrian, is it? Yeah, it is. Here we go. Uh, just so you can see this, Joe, this is <laughs> Kane completely shoot here. This is a over an hour long lecture from Glenn Jacobs on Austrian wow. economics. He looks a little bit like Pendulet here, I think. He's got glasses on! And a little ponytail, and a yeah. A little ponytail, and he's dressed as corporate Kane. Yep, yeah. that's who he is, mate. God, he looks so much like Pendulet there, doesn't he? Jesus. I watched about half of this this evening, I think. Like, he is. Yeah. I just, like, kind of... I am so fascinated when people have a life outside oh, of wrestling yeah. like that. That's why people like Cesaro are so interesting, yeah. I think. Yeah. Xavier like, Woods as well, yeah. with his PhD. It's exactly. just, like... You know what? If you showed anyone like Kane, they kind of go, "Oh, it's one of those big, you know, big, tall, dumb wrestler kind of guy." Yeah. And you know what? There he is, fucking talking about Austrian economics and small government, and you know he's obviously got political opinions and mm. you know, he's going to agree with everything. But it's just when someone is that well read and that kind of has an ability to speak, and he has a real passion for it as well. And I love the fact that. He could probably go and run for office, but he's still hanging around and resting. Mm. I don't think it's just there for a paycheck. I do think he genuinely loves it. Mm. I think he genuinely wants to help the next generation. I think that if Kane can help the likes of Braun Strowman and Baron Corbin know what it means to be a big guy, because mm-hmm. there's an art to that. Oh, yeah. And it ain't easy. And, you know, there's a lot of big men have come and went. And Kane's not even the biggest of them, but he's had the most longevity. And that's because of. Him knowing his shit. He's a smart fucking guy. And I just think, yeah, there's a lot to the man. Yeah. A lot to Glenn Jacobs. I mean, what are your final thoughts on Kane? I like him. I, I do feel like Glenn Jacobs, Kane, I, I feel very, he's very talented. And he, I like the fact that he puts out his knee when he gets the pedigree and shit like that. That he's, smart man, he's like. thought ahead. And I know he's not the greatest wrestler in the world. In fact, far from it. But in terms of performing... He's got skill and ability that a lot of my favourite wrestlers don't have, actually. So you're happy to have learned about Kane? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think I think it just goes to show because so much shit has happened to Kane. So many all... And we looked at the worst of the worst there, to be honest, okay? But the fact you can still come away and know it's like, hey, he didn't write that shit. He just performed it to the best of his ability. Yeah. And imagine how cringy a fuck it would have been if during all... I mean... You know, whatever about the latest storyline with the fucking miscarriage and all that. But, I mean, he, like, did tears and all that shit when they actually revealed it on screen. Yeah. And he had him, like, beat up the doctors going, why? And all, you know, he fucking tries. Mm-hmm. He's a performer. Mm-hmm. You know what? He is a performer. It's been a blast time, okay? Let's look at some of your tweets and Facebook posts. It's time to look at more of your opinions on how to came. I grew up locked in a basement suffering severe psychological and emotional scarring when my brother set my parents on fire. From there, I shifted around among a series of mental institutions until I was grown, at which point I buried my brother alive. Twice. Since then, I've set a couple of people on fire and abducted various co-workers. Oh, and I uh, once electrocuted a man's testicles. Years ago, I had a girlfriend named Katie but uh, 
let's just say that that didn't turn out so well. My real father is a guy named Paul Bearer, who I recently trapped in a meat locker. I've been married, divorced, broke up my ex-wife's wedding and tombstoned the priest. And for reasons never quite explained, I have an unhealthy obsession with torturing Pete Rose. Thank you so much to everyone who sent in all these amazing tweets about Kane. Kane was, I think, one of the wrestlers we got the most response to because I think nearly everyone who's a long-term fan had a memory of Kane to come in. And I'll tell you right now, the phrases when I was young or in school or playground have appeared in these tweets more than like any other one. So it's obviously there's a lot of people who got a lot of a big sweet spot for Kane in there, which is lovely to see. It is, it's nice. Isn't it? Yeah. So our first tweet comes from our illustrator, Dan Swanton, mm. who says, when I was a kid, I thought Kane was like a T-Rex in a man's body. <laughs> and I have no idea what he means by that. I mean, Kane was always quite like, he had big muscles and he was yeah, bulging, you know. Ripped. He was a lot more so than The Undertaker. Because oh, I remember definitely. Kane's arms always had these big fucking mm. muscles. And yeah, particularly when he was vest Kane, yeah. he had looked like a fucking powerhouse. I can get that. There's a reason Triple H could vaguely pass as Kane and that's because of those big arms. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Definitely. You said that Kane was Dan's favourite... Yeah. wrestler growing up yeah it was he found him terrifying and also loved the fact that he was kind of misunderstood outcast which I think mm. he identified with a lot because usually we have to have a bit of a chat with Dan about kind of ideas for the picture and that one was just literally straight away it's like you you know Kane you yeah. know why you like Kane why people like Kane and that picture is just fucking beautiful yeah. I love it <laughs> from Brutal Drama it's funny you know we were talking about uh, unmasking Kane and your little figurine and whether mm. or not you want to take it off um, well Brutal Jummer says I was so curious about what he looked like that I actually tried to cut the mask off <laughs> a Kane action figure <laughs> which I can only imagine was very dangerous and unsupervised by parents oh! I had a friend that did that with a screwdriver really? like he got a, a flathead Phillips uh, sorry a flathead screwdriver one of the huge massive ones with the long handle <laughs> jammed it in the side and like for ages just like shoved it in there and pulled it off to reveal just like a match of plastic I underneath. Bet I bet WWF officials finished. would come to your house and <laughs> take you out. No! And I tell you one thing we definitely did do in my house, me and my brother, was uh, when we got WrestleMania 2000 on the N64, which, like No Mercy, which we played for how to video games, you could take off, uh, you know, masks, you could edit all of the, the wrestlers in the roster. And the first thing we're like, oh my god, you can edit all the wrestlers. And we kind of turned and looked like. <gasps> means like yes and like went over to Kane as like went to masks like it says mask Kane one went to mask none we're like <gasps> just like loads of shadows over his head <laughs> damn it like those what, bastards <laughs> I wonder what like kids were thinking when they tried to cut off the mask as if like the WWE were like you know what we'll do we'll design the real Kane's yeah. actual face but underneath the mask and you have to cut it off but it will be legit Glenn Jacobs underneath <laughs> it's like the idea of like one of those kind of you know marketing meetings like can be on the mask like kids like to destroy things <laughs> <laughs> boys love screwdrivers so. <laughs> 
The FBK13 says, Connection with Taker is a mixed blessing. It got him instantly over, but he never truly escaped his shadow. Oh. I disagree with that. You I reckon? think, like, you can't have Kane without The Undertaker because, you know, he will always be so inherently tied to him. But I don't think that means he's been in his shadow. Like, Kane is definitely his own character. No, I think they're like tea and coffee. They're intrinsically linked, but you can have both on their own. Yeah. Because I must say, watching it from my perspective, of corporate Kane and The Undertaker comes out for the occasional pay per view. I would never have guessed that they were brothers. I mean, no. they never talk about it now. I think it's because they've done it now to the extreme. Like, they've literally had, like, the final, final battle. Like, to the you point know, where they'll never mention it again. Pretty much. I mean, they actually, funny enough, though, when Undertaker came back for the 900th episode of SmackDown this last week, after the cameras went off the air, they did a thing with Undertaker and Kane. They did, like, a, an exit together, and everyone, yeah. like, went mad for it. So. Wow. It's pretty cool. That's cool. FT Punk says, I was eight when Kane debuted and it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I cried and had dreams about him burning down my house. Oh. That's horrible. Yeah. Particularly, I think initially when, before they revealed that it was Undertaker that did it, it was the idea of this like pyromaniac who was just like one, one thing in life. He wanted to kill his brother. Yeah. And, like, just, he's just coming to get you. That's his whole gimmick. And, like, we but... watched um, when Kane was first on the TV screens, like we watched uh, him beating up the young Hardy boys. You know, like, he he just he would come out and he would just destroy people like he would just he would no sell everything they would punch him he wouldn't react just pick them up he would throw them like they were nothing and like you didn't you see that a lot now guys are like oh god this is scary strength but you know back then Kane was even by 1997-1998 standards they were like kind of going like this guy's unlike anything we've ever seen before and they were right they had not seen anyone like that before you know he was unique I thought I'd include this one because it's complete polar opposite to, I think, all our opinions, which is from Habit the Bavit, who says, Big man with a cool look and nothing else. Never had a standout match in 20 years and ruins every storyline he touches. Whoa! Yeah. I don't know how Kane's responsible for ruining storylines. Like, yeah. You know, it's not his fault. It's always him trying to make the best of a bad yeah. situation. I mean, I think that's... You know, you're not going to turn around and... Uh... I really hope he didn't suggest the Katie Vick idea. Or the no, idea. Yeah, I don't. I think it'd be really Vince. cool if we do this. Honestly, he, he totally just... For me, he's the epitome of a team player. Mm. You know, Kane has done some fucking goofy shit that he probably shouldn't have done. And I don't think it's, it's his fault. But I mean, I do think if you are someone who is a fan of wrestling for the matches and the matches alone then Kane's probably not going to be your guy I completely no. agree there yeah. that's, that's true but I think you should still have respect for the fact that like I mean he's never taken a break from WWE yeah. he's really? since he's his had, debut he's had the odd injury here and there but even compared to the big shows taking big sabbaticals yeah. Kane's been there Kane that's amazing he's I think of anyone on the roster he's had, who's on the active roster he's had more matches yeah, that's than right. anyone including house shows and everything and that's even like incredible. 2013 I think he had the record for the most number of matches in a year yeah. guys in late 40s at the time was putting in more matches than anyone else mm-hmm. like, considering his whole economics thing and the fact that he's like really intelligent could clearly have oh, like, walk all away. these careers yeah, at any point for sure. he could walk away write a book run for office and, and yeah, make a career out of that if he's going to do that looks like he'd do it at the same time as being a wrestler yeah yeah. <laughs> do what Rhino's doing it shows that he obviously has a love for doing it that's Absolutely. nice yeah. one thing that kept popping up into our timeline which I really hope expert Adam can tell me about as both an expert of cane and coffee mm. is uh, people keep sending in it has nothing to do with coffee yeah that's right there's an amazing and I would strongly implore you to go and check out this storyline after we're done recording because I think you'll enjoy it so back in late 2000s Chris Jericho is hanging around backstage one day just making himself a cup of coffee at the catering table turns around and Kane's just right behind him and he just bumps into him like oh Sorry, champ. Hope that coffee didn't 
burn you. Like, <laughs> and Kane, who's like a fucking prick heel at the time, gets like all huffy about it. Like, you know, I've got a fucking burnt face, mate. Why would you say that? Like, getting really sensitive. He's having a go. And like, all the commentary is like, can you believe this whole thing started with a cup of coffee? Like, they just keep going on about it. Folks, this one started over coffee. And what the, what the guys on Twitter are referencing there is that Kane, like, really impassioned in the ring one night, was like, you think this is about. Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Kane rarely needs an excuse to do an angle. Like there was a time where he betrayed the Undertaker for like the ninetieth time, and his rationale was, "Why did I choke slam my brother? I am a monster." <laughs> All right, you're heel now. I guess like that's it. You know, not many people could get away with that, like, but Kane can. Uh, we got one or two ones here over on Facebook.com slash Wrestling, where we always, of course, appreciate your longer form answers. Several passionate essays from Wordsmiths here. Noah Leatherhead sending us a message saying, Hey, hello, Kevin and Joe. One of the reasons I love Kane is I met one of my best friends in primary school because he was called Kane, and of all things, we bonded over wrestling. That's a big thanks to him helping a little nervous Noah make some friends. Aww. There's a lot of people who kind of feel like they could relate to Kane. Yeah, he's the outcast. Yeah, I, I was related a little bit to Kane mm. and also Mankind for that very reason. It's kind of like, okay, I'm a bit different, but like that's a good thing. It does seem to me, from what I've heard, that kind of it's a generational thing in terms of who, which outcast is the one you identify yeah. with in your age. Like for Kevin's generation, it seems to be Mankind. Mm. Because Adam, you're my age, a bit younger. And same yeah. age as Dan, in that he's the outcast for like, Oh, age group. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. awesome. Nice. It's awesome. Darren Rayner with a really, really brilliant point here. Kane is the Phil Mitchell of wrestling. He's been with the same company for so long that he's been some some crazy things, both good and bad. He holds the record for the most WWF appearances, and I've never heard anyone say a bad word against him in an interview. The character himself is simply a monster who wants to be human, but a series of betrayals have made him hate the world. I'm sorry, it's a up. tragedy, <laughs> really. Me and Joe still aren't over that opening sentence. Phil. Mitchell, a series of betrayals have made I him hate the world. Want so bad to see Bald Kane with Phil Mitchell's face, and then have Undertaker with Grant Mitchell's face. <laughs> and Brian Zane from Wrestling with Regret chiming in here. Kane was the first wrestler who really held my attention when I started to watch wrestling. As a brooding teenager with a self-esteem issue, Kane's story arc as someone who started off as being ostracized by society but eventually befriended by others, really resonated with me. And of course, the badass appearance and entrance music always helped hook me in too. It was once tradition of mine to play as Kane in the first match I would play in every new WWF or WWE game. I will say, having seen it live, when Kane's pyro goes off, mm. and that was in the coldest fucking building in the world with that all that fucking AC when I saw it at WrestleMania 25, and I swear to you, when his pyro went off, the entire place was hot. And we weren't even that near the entranceway. When his pyro goes off... Imagine standing it. in it. Yeah. Like, there was actually yeah. one moment once, I think it was Jonathan Coachman, he was on commentary, when the commentary desk used to be near the uh, the announceway, and Kane's pyro went off, and he literally, his headset came off, and he <laughs> fell over the table, like, Jesus! I fucking love it. It has been a blast talking about Kane. Adam, thank you so much for coming and sharing your expertise, your love, and your joy of Kane. It's always a pleasure to have you here podcasting with us. Well, thank you so much. Isn't it great showing you people wrestling? Yeah, this has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm Aww. genuinely honoured that I'm the first person to 
be on this show that isn't you two. So yeah, yeah. Not only are you uh, next, you're first. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of How to Wrestling. It's been an absolute blast talking about How to Kane and hopefully gaining an insight into the Big Red Machine and his ridiculous backstory and catalogue of calamitous events. We are for our next episode going to delve into someone who's quite a familiar face in the modern product, uh, probably my favourite personality in wrestling of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, our next episode is going to be about Paul Heyman, the advocate for the beast incarnate, but so much more. Our next episode, hashtag how to Paul Heyman, where hopefully Joe's not going to learn about just the advocate Paul Heyman, but learn about the man behind ECW, Paul E. Dangerously, how a man started off taking pictures of wrestlers to running his own company to now being a guy who's running his own like advertising company. <laughs> Along the way, he's made a lot of friends and he's made a lot of enemies and he's also had as well amazing promos and interviews and segments. We want to get all of it because we're going to be watching his documentary that's available on the network and going through his entire life story. But obviously, there's some gruesome details admitted along the way. There are people out there, wrestlers, who want nothing more than Paul Heyman to suffer a long, cold, miserable death and be buried in a pauper's grave. Why is that? Let us know using the hashtag HowToPaulHeyman. Is he the creative genius of wrestling or is he overblown nonsense? I can't wait to hear some of your thoughts. But thank you, everyone for listening to this episode of How To Wrestling. And as always, if you're listening on SoundCloud, iTunes, or on Stitcher, be sure to leave a rating or review and subscribe so you can get all of our episodes directly to you. And of course, make sure you're following on Twitter, at How To Wrestling, and giving us some tweets for our new episode using the hashtag. And you can find us on Facebook. So it's facebook.com forward slash How To Wrestling. We always appreciate getting any messages or comments from you guys on any upcoming topics or anything at all. We just love your input. And you can find us on Patreon. We have a couple of different tiers depending on your budget or preference. We're starting at $1 if you just want to help support the show. We really appreciate every penny. Thanks so much. For $5, you can get our entire backlog of pay-per-view reviews. And they're at least an episode long and they date back all the way to SummerSlam 2015. I, Seems okay, so long ago. 15 episodes are up now. That's amazing. 15 whole episodes for a mere $5. That's fantastic. If you want to find out what Joe's opinions were or my opinions on the last, well, over a year's worth now of wrestling pay-per-views and follow along the current product. It's certainly the most unique set of pay-per-view reviews that are available on the internet today. You can, of course, pledge $10 a month if you want to support us and get access to our monthly live stream. And you want to be like Alex Thompson, who made a fucking barn burner of a request with How To Kane, or like Russell Kidd, who's requested How To Paul Heyman, for $50, you can request an episode and help shear the good ship of How To Wrestling and let Joe know what amazing wrestlers she has to find out about next. But thank you everyone who supports us on Patreon. We really appreciate your support and helping the podcast grow. Adam, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. If you have anything, of course, that you'd want to plug. Well, if you're listening to this and we've piqued your curiosity about any of the matches from the Attitude Era involving Kane, you should go and check out mine and Kevin's other show, AE Podcast, where you can hear us talking about these kind of matches in a bit more detail. Perhaps you've just found out about wrestling and you're kind of interested in the Attitude Era. Start off from the beginning of our show and we'll go through the whole thing from beginning to end with you. And we pull it over hot coals. 
hotter than Kane, seriously. And if you're not interested in looking at the Attitude Era, I will recommend, of course, me and Adam sitting down to watch Stone Cold Steve Austin's Broken Skull Challenge. Oh, that's a great I only great say because it's come up on Dave now, the new series. Really? Eight new bust-ass competitors. No excuse. I'm just saying no so excuse, good. folks, okay? Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for your contributions to How To Kane. We'll see you next time for hashtag How To Paul Heyman. Thanks again to Adam for joining us, and we'll catch you next time on How To Wrestling. See ya.